Welcome to Walking Backwards. I'm Brad Grimet. This week's guest is underwater director of photography Ian Takahashi. And we had a really good chat. I think you'll enjoy it. I learned a lot about shooting underwater and a lot about him. He's a great guy. So I hope you like it. Uh, thanks to Walter Clausen for their continued support. Um, their iBaird, uh, if you don't own one yet, it's the, the drop down for the ProVest. Uh, they've lowered the price. Um, they, I guess they found some production ways to make it cheaper and they've just passed the savings on to the customer which is great i love mine if you don't have one go get one uh, at walterclausen.com and when you do that use the code walking and you'll get some more money off so that's awesome uh thank you walter clausen check out my patreon at patreon.com slash walking backwards and if you'd like to support the show you can sign up if you have any questions or comments, email me at walkingbackwardspodcast at gmail.com. Hey, Ian. What's up, man? Hey. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Brad? Good, good. When's the last time I saw you? Oh, man. I think we were doing uh, that J-Lo movie with uh, Dave McFarlane, right? We were... I was trying to remember if that was the last time and maybe the first time. Um, I feel like... I had met you before, but I don't know why I think that. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember it before. Okay. Then it's probably never happened before. But I've forgotten a lot of things, so you never know. <laughs> but which is funny because we like, we chatted a lot and texted yeah. a lot. Yeah. Not not really about work that much. <laughs> yeah, no, not at work at all. We were we yeah. were texting about uh about the st- oh, yeah, like, stocks and... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> Hang on. Give me one second. I forgot to turn my... Uh, my heat and my fridge off. Just oh, so. okay. <sighs> Sorry, we can we can just keep going. We don't need to start again. Yeah. Oh, you can hear you can hear it kick on and off. Yeah, I tell people all the time I have a newfound respect for sound guys for sound guys because <laughs> you can hear that fridge. It's like burr. You're yeah. like what the fuck. Anyway, fair enough, fair enough. And I'm bad about remembering to turn it on. And obviously the air conditioner heat, so. Yeah. Um I'm sorry. Anyway, we were we were saying uh, Oh yeah, we were with um Dave McFarlane <coughs> up in uh, I think it was the Disney Ranch. Yeah. In December, it was like 20 degrees and then they'd turn on all the fire bars and it'd be 110 degrees and then they would turn it off and it'd be 20 degrees. It was torturous. You replaced yeah. somebody Yes, I think I only did like three days. Like oh, that was the it? last three days of that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think John left. Yes, that sounds right. <clears throat> and yeah, uh, yeah um, John Grillo. And then you came in. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. that was uh, that was torturous. Or wait, did you come in for, re- was it reshoots? It may have been. Uh, I'm trying to remember. When did we do reshoots? Because this is months later. Yeah. I. <clears throat> but we, we shot in that barn before. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure... Um, You were there originally, but I don't know. Oh, remember. not the reshoots. Yeah, we did like a day in Chinatown, and then like something oh, in like Eagle Rock, and then a few days in Disney. Oh, yeah. Then you weren't... Because the reshoots were all in the barn. Oh, okay, yeah. So I, <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Oh, so you were there for that Chinatown day. Remember I had to do that ridiculous crane shot? <clears throat> um, 
they got a crane, but no, I don't even remember what kind of crane it was, but no head, no remote head. I do remember that. I remember them asking, wait, why would we get that? Like, uh, I, I don't know how to answer that question. It was, um, I don't know what happened. And then one day they sent back the crane and Rob was so, they sent it back without the director knowing and he yeah. needed it the next day. Yeah. Uh, did, were you there for that day too? Uh, it's possible. At that house out in the middle. So there were two ridiculous shots I had to do. Yeah. The one was the crane shot where I had to put like a C-stand arm and then this and that. like Because <laughs> it was like started 20 feet up. So I had all this crap on there. Yeah. It, maybe it wasn't 20 feet. but And then it had to come down to eye level and we're tracking back with her. Yeah. And it was so... Because you have that giant lever. So like... You touch the thing and it's like, wah, like yeah. tilting because I'm, you know, I got an eight foot pole on it or whatever it was. God, that was frustrating. Yeah. So I did that. And then the other shot that was supposed to be crane, I had to do on a dolly. Um, God, how did we do that? It was a slow zoom and we started super. Yeah, we started as high as we could be on all the risers and then came down to the bottom. Hmm. But it was a zoom from like, anyway, I can't remember what it was. It was, it was this shot in the house. It was designed to be a crane shot. Yeah. And because they sent the crane back without telling the director, we had to do it this way. And it was like the worst. I can't remember the particulars of that. Yeah. Um, you do block out some things over the years. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that day we were like in that house somewhere up near the ranches, but it was Mm. just like a house in the middle of nothing. It's a great little place, but, um. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> that movie brings back memories. It does. I liked working with Rob, though. Yeah. He yeah. He, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, he does. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, the, the, the cast was really good. And um, actually, thinking about that, Kristen Chenoweth. Uh, yeah. She, she was great. She was good. That weird dolly shot was of her, like, strapped in a chair, with tied mm. to a chair. Um, so it wasn't fun for her, either. No, no, no. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, but we used to, we used to text all the time about stocks and you trade options, which I don't. Yeah. Yeah. And I've moved on to options on futures contracts. Oh, Um, really? Yeah. It kind of gives you the leverage of futures, but with downside protection. So you can like, if you want to buy a single futures contract, uh, you may only have to put up 5% of the capital, but then if it moves against you, you'll have margin calls and it's unlimited amount of loss. And at that kind of leverage, you can lose a lot of money real quick. Yeah. Um, but if it moves in your direction, you can move a lot. You can make a lot of money. Sure. Um, but then with using the options, um, you can only lose the amount that you spent on the options contract. Right. So if, when it moves, it can move you know, really in, in your favor. So you're limiting mm. upside, but also limiting downside. Uh, you're not even limiting, limiting upside. What you do is you're, you're actually, you're paying a premium, so it has to move past that premium that you've paid. Right. And then you also have time decay. So as uh, it gets to the end of your contract, the contract becomes worth less and less and less. Right. <clears throat> so you're giving up those things, but you're then gaining downside. Protection. So, yeah. So you, if right. you pay like a thousand for the contract, um, the future, con- the futures contract may move against you, and you know if you own that con, the futures contract, you could have lost like five thousand dollars in a couple days, but your op your options contract will hit zero, but that's only a thousand. Right. You know? Once it hits zero, if the if the 
if it turns the other way, it can go back up, right? Oh yeah, yeah it can yeah. go back up. Yeah, okay. yeah. And yeah. if it hits zero, it's just it's worthless, and it, you know it'll expire worthless. Nobody's gonna buy it anyway, so you you would just have to hold, no. yeah. until it expires or goes back yeah. up. I mean, theoretically, you're doing uh, like cash management, so when it moves against you, you're getting theoretically like, getting out before you rack up large losses. But right. in the you know in the event that something happens overnight and it gaps down, at least you're only losing that much. Right. I mean, in the futures world, sorry, in the in the futures world, uh, markets can lock like limit down for days on end, and you can just see this you know lose thousands upon thousands of dollars every day without the ability to get out because it'll yeah. just gap down and stop and trading will cease and it can that can happen multiple days in a row yeah um that's similar to me like using like trailing stops and stuff yeah exactly yeah. <clears throat> although if it gaps in the middle of the night that doesn't help you then it just auto sells at the low price in the morning <laughs> yeah you wake up down 50 percent you're like but <gasps> my oh! <laughs> Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, it sounds to me like there's, there's, I bet there's an opportunity in, so I was saying that nobody buys options that are worth zero dollars. I bet there's an, there are opportunities Mm -hmm. to go and buy people's futures options contracts for a dollar or Hmm. whatever the number is. Yeah. <clears throat> in case it goes back up. All right. Just like buying shitloads of like options that have just gotten crushed. Right. In right. the hopes that they'll turn the other direction. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were those guys <clears throat> they had a whole what were they doing? But it was all these long shots. Mm-hmm. Of course they use algorithms and all this shit, but like <clears throat> they would think of what if an earthquake hit tomorrow mm-hmm. and did pretty major damage in Los Angeles? Yeah. What would go down? And then they'll they'll take a position in a bunch of different stuff. Yeah. It's like, so they have all these contingencies. Their whole fund was that. Yeah. So it was like, what if it rains too much this winter in the Midwest yeah. or whatever? Like any kind of, it's all downside stuff, I think. Actually, no, I bet there's upside stuff. What if it rains a little more than expected and there's good crop or or whatever it is? Yeah, destroys the crop and wheat futures go up, something like that. Right, or, or, right. Um, But I find that stuff kind of interesting. (laughs) Yeah, it would be interesting. You might might have to, like, talk specifically to a broker um, and not like your your online broker, like a a real broker to find... You know, because people like right now, if you have the option, you'd have to, you know, you'd have to place like a sell order to put it out there. Otherwise, yeah. you don't even see it. But maybe you can talk to the broker about like, hey, if you know anyone who has a bunch of that might zero dollar options, dollar. Like, right. I'll give them five cents each, but I'll buy all of them. Right. You know, and then you just load up on all these options that probably won't go anywhere for pennies. And then if one does. Right. Well, know. the idea there is volume, right? Yeah. So when you hit one, it pays off big. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah, you would have to talk to a broker. I tried yeah. to talk to my <laughs> online broker once and, you know, and then they call you periodically and they're like, hey, if you ever need anything, I'm your, I'm your guy now, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And, you know, and they give you their number. Yeah. I called my guy, no return. Called him again, no return. <laughs> Emailed them, nothing. Yeah. I'm like, he's probably gone. They hire people fresh out of college to, oh yeah to, you know yeah um and so many just like there to answer basic questions like what is a call option how much what does is, it how much yeah. does a trade cost me exactly <laughs> yeah 
Right. And then when you get into like the nuances of the actual like option contract, like you need when somebody doing, who knows what they're yeah, doing. There's a huge payout coming. Like, are there any you know caveats to the options contract? Oh no! And then you find out later. Oh well, because it was paying out thirty percent of its price, it did this, and you're like, guys, right? We talked about this, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Um, I've never traded options. I've told you. I know you kind of encouraged me to trade them. Yeah. Um, I still haven't. Um, but because of the way I trade, I would give you tips sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah. we exchanged tips. <laughs> we did. And I yeah. have to say, my tip worked out better than yours. Absolutely. It absolutely did. <laughs> and I'm a little pissed off that you didn't tell me to sell because you sold. And I was like, I think I got to sell this. And you're like, oh, I sold that a month ago. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Yeah, the, here, was, here publicly, that's my bad. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I made the choice to buy it, so you yeah. didn't. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it, actually, it's easy to blame it on you. Yeah, well, it's actually funny how I stopped like telling, really telling anybody any of that stuff because yeah. like I just get I get into it and I have so many positions open and things are always changing. And then, and who knows what you told anybody? You can't remember. No, and like go around. back and like keep it, like keep track of who says what. And right. you know, I, one friend who who took a tip, you know, and made some money, and then the next time did it again, and then it, you know, it it didn't go the way that it was supposed to go. Yeah. And I got out at like a small loss, and but then, but he didn't and stayed, and we found out later that it was like thirty percent of his like account was in oh. one position. And I was oh, like, well, no, that's why, dumb. why, 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 why? Yeah. I was like, I could have lost the whole thing. It would have been less than a 1% loss. Like, and I got out quick. Like, these th can't be. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> these can't be huge positions. Right. It, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're probably. That's crazy. Yeah. Um. But the one. It, I did, it was just really funny because you texted me from, I think, the Philippines? Or probably. was it Korea? Either one. Okay. Over Christmas. Oh, like, yeah, Philippines, yeah. Like yeah. the day before Christmas or or a couple days after Christmas, something like that. Yeah. And you're like, oh, and I had given you that tip and it went, I can't remember. Like, you're like, I just made a thousand percent or something. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a huge, I was like, holy shit. Yeah. But it was like, for you, it was like two in the morning and you were at a party. Yeah. Like, <laughs> making the sell on your phone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's probably definitely options then. If I'm oh, it was definitely options. Yeah. No, but when I look at charts, I'm I'm not an expert, but I I'm okay at looking at charts and not predicting, but understanding where yeah the trends are and where if this happens, this might happen. Yeah, but for me, like I I don't want to get in until the this happens right, and right. then the, this might happen. Yeah, yeah. So like with options it's better you can get in for a much cheaper price mm -hmm. with a big up possible upside and smaller downside if yeah. you get in before the thing before the oh, thing. Oh yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like like right before that line hits that point where if it hits that point I'm jumping in. Yeah. But it has it's not at that point yet. That's when you bought in. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. And then it went. Well, and it, then it went way too much for me to get in. Yeah. Well, then the options, like the way that options are priced, um, they also have like volatility built into the price. So when the underlying becomes more volatile, the premium that you're paying for to buy the option uh, can go up. 
And so if right, so a classically volatile stock, the options will always cost more. He generally, yeah, just Be, right because, because it might jump up. Yeah, them. and the, the the possibility of it hitting a certain price goes up if it's you know more volatile. Right. And so if you have like a sleepy stock, and you buy the option, you're not going to pay a huge premium for it. Right. Um, but then if something happened. And so let's say giant news broke and it just started climbing like uh, the premium that you're going to pay is going to expand. And so you're going to be paying a lot more for that option, you know, than you would have previously, even if it's say it's in the money by like five dollars, you know, you're going to pay that five dollars plus like a fat premium because of the volatility. Mm. And because so many people are going to be jumping in, it's going to you know, and that's how you can make so much more money like with options is if you're buying them, if you do buy it before the volatility goes up not only going to make money on the upside if you're buying a call but you're also going to make money as the premium expands due to the increased volatility right so but you none of that you can see like if you're looking at the underlying chart you can't see that price premium but there's like all the greek letters like delta vega all those kind of come in when you're looking at options and how they're priced and how they're changing compared to volatility and right it's a whole thing. Yeah, it's a thing. Yeah. Th- this is part of why I don't want to be in it. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm not bored by what you said, but I'm a little lost. Yeah. And so, like, I don't know. Some other things I get, like, as far as stocks and stuff, I get really quickly. Yeah. And people are like, oh, that's really complicated. I'm like, well, I'm I'm understanding it. Yeah. You know? So, as a matter of fact, I read The Big Short, which is one of my favorite books ever. Right. Yeah. Great movie, too. Yeah. As my, I, I said they'll never make that into a good movie because it's too complicated. The public doesn't want to hear you explain all this shit. Mm-hmm. But they found Adam McKay is a goddamn genius. He found yeah. a perfect way to explain it. Anyway, yeah. I'd, I'd love that movie because no, of no, that. I, I love it even though I uh, almost worked on it. They mm. had called. They had called for my availability. I said yes. We talked about money. Okay, great. We're gonna go come out here in a week. And like three days later, I was like, hey, I don't have a ticket. They're like, oh, we hired somebody else. Oh, like, huh. found a local or something. Um, where, where was it? It was New York. Right? Uh, no, this stuff I think was in like, not New York. It was somewhere else. Vegas. Maybe. Because they shot in Vegas. Well, it was just the underwater. So it was when. There's uh, pool stuff in Vegas, I think. It was when uh, the doc- Dr. Michael Burry's character is swimming in the pool. It's like a super quick. It's like three shots. Okay. But I, I know Tom, Tom Boyd who shot it and he's awesome. Oh. But it's just, I find out like years later that Tom did it and I was like, oh, okay. Right. Well, That's probably how enough. your name even came up at all, right? I, I don't know, but I oh. still love the movie. Even yeah, though yeah, like, yeah. I watch that scene every time and like, Argh. right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah it, was, it was so good. And, um, but the book is fantastic and there are, these complicated because you know the the movie doesn't explain everything in the detail the book does yeah. for obvious reasons one it's a oh. little too complicated for a movie yeah. and two just story wise right yeah. Yeah. but they got the point across which is great <clears throat> but the book so i read the book and i have a friend who's in um mortgages and stuff and he deals with he he worked for one of the largest uh mortgage providers in california mm. before and they're long out of business now. Yeah. Um, probably out of business in 09, 10, 2010 probably. Oh, okay, yeah. But um, anyway, uh, so he was familiar with, with somewhat familiar with some of these financial products. And th- I think believed or maybe still believes that he knows 
a lot more about it than I do. Yeah. And I read the book and I said, oh, blah, 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 blah. And I started talking about CDOs and CDSs <laughs> with them. And he's like, well, that's, you don't really understand it. It's too complicated for you to understand. He's like, I don't even get it. And I'm like, no, I understand. Yeah. And he's like, no, no, no. <laughs> and I was like, okay, whatever. Like, <laughs> he's a good dude, you know, but yeah. it, like, because yeah. he's been in the business a long time. So I think he just, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but to, to me, it was like the most obvious thing ever. It's, it's kind of like options on mortgages. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's yeah, yeah. basically what Generally, it is. Yeah. Synthetic products that aren't actually linked to any yeah. real property yeah, or value. Derivatives of an underlying asset. Yes, I guess yeah. that's the, 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 the technical, technical term. But yeah, that, yeah, that's what it is. But um, anyway, I just, yeah. I, it, it was funny. I don't know where I was going with that story. <laughs> But I love the book. I don't know if you've ever read any Michael Lewis book. Lewis's oh, books. all of them. Oh, you have? Okay. Oh, yeah. I've, yeah. I have not read all of them because I didn't read. I don't like, not that I don't like, I'm not as interested in the ones like The Blind Side and even Moneyball, oh, okay. although I thought yeah. that movie was good. Yeah. I'm more interested in the the, the stock market stuff he yeah. does. Yeah. Well, the he's, got a, he's got a bunch of great ones like Boomerang and Flash Boys and... Flash Boys is fantastic. Yeah. And there's... I, uh, I forget the one. It's about the uh, like the formation of the IEX exchange. That's Flash Boys. Oh. Well, yeah. then, yeah, there you go. I yeah, like yeah. that one. Yeah, and the and the, the cable from Chicago to New York. Yeah, exactly. Like 30 miles of fiber cable to slow everything down in, like, inside their building. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. yes. <clears throat> um, yeah, but but remember in Flash Boys... They, oh, yeah, they run a cable. They run a, a little direct fiber line yeah. straight, no matter if there's a mountain or what, from Chicago to New York. Yeah. And buying up land and no one knew who was doing it. I forget what the outcome was to that. Did they figure out who was doing it? Or oh, did, it doesn't really remember. matter who was doing it. No, I. It's been a while since I read the book. Well, it was somebody in Chicago trying to pe compete yeah. with people in New York. Yeah. Because of their the the trading delay. Yeah. And even that doesn't help them. No. I mean, it helps them, <laughs> but it doesn't give them. No. It doesn't put them on an even playing. No, field. no. Well, not when like the HFTs are, their servers are next to the exchange servers. Like in New York and plugged in directly, right? Like, like a six-inch cable, yeah, right. exactly. Right, and they pay a lot, like a hundred grand a month for each server yeah. or something, right? Yeah, but they're yeah. pulling in like in the basement, one hundred and forty million a year with no risk because they're just front-running other traders. Right, yeah. they're ripping you and me off. Basically, yeah. When you put in a market order, they're like, thank you. And I thought about using, what is that, IEX? Yeah. yeah. I thought about using IEX. I think I can designate it my, mm -hmm. but I don't know how their volume is or anything. And also yeah. for me, it would matter more for you. Mm. I think you trade bigger than I do. But like, we're talking about me, we're talking about a couple pennies here and there, basically, you yeah. know. And I don't know. I it just yeah. I, when I when I buy like stock, it's usually on like a much longer time like a time horizon. Right, and I buy on shorter. Yeah. So like if I'm, I can put in. I usually don't put in a market order, but I'll put in like a limit of what I'm willing to pay. Mm -hmm. And like if someone front runs that, then okay, you like you made right. a couple, you know you know you made it however much per share, but I've got like a five ten year horizon. You got scalped, at. but for like for like two dollars. Yeah. Overall. <clears throat> um. But then it's like more with they the, made one tenth of a penny off of every share or whatever. Yeah, whatever, whatever their take is. Right. Um, but uh, the one, the, the part that I like stay away from is I was I bought I tried to buy an option 
uh, or something on that Robinhood app, and it said like, "Oh, we're putting it in as a a limit order plus one percent, so it's going to go in at the price it is now, but it can get filled for up to one percent more than that." And like they had just signed a deal with like like Citadel or one of get these out big. Of here. No, absolutely. Like that's I, I screen grabbed that on my phone because I was like, "There's no How way." How is that legal? Like. That's what my order is. Like, I mean, it's it's a legal way to place an order. It's just not a good way. No, to no. Do how it. is it legal to, <laughs> to for them to make you place your order that way? Yeah, I didn't see another option of like. I guess it's, doing it's probably in the terms that you agreed it, it, to to it, use it, their app. It probably and because they made it so simple of like buy or sell. Like you don't have to go in to like create a ticket and say like buy limit, but you know do all of like the right the, the details because it's supposed just, to be entry level for people who don't yeah. know what they're doing. And that's how you can. But that's how you can offer it for free. Is if you then are paid by high frequency traders to allow them to scalp to your then, customers yeah, they fulfill they execute your trades and they make their you know their pennies per trade but like millions of times god i wonder if that's i wonder if anybody's written about that i bet there's an yeah. article about it somewhere I, i'm sure there is and i i haven't used it I mean, extensively maybe there is a way to turn i've never it used that app yeah. something else but it was like the first time i tried to do anything and i was like oh you're just trying it out just yeah. So, yeah i was like absolutely not <laughs> you're like it. nope yeah <laughs> you're like i'll go buy this on my own yeah it's like i know how to place a normal trade i'm right. just gonna right right, right right delete this yeah um yeah and you can make some pretty complicated trades yeah even yeah. for stocks, like there's an if then and all these kinds of trades. If this happens, I do this, and then if that happens, if this sells, then it buys this. Yeah, I never really do those. No, but. no. I think for for me, it's too. I'm like, how will I screw myself doing this? Right. Like which, I'm gonna place this thing, and it's gonna be like, congratulations, we lit a million dollars on fire. <laughs> but what? That's not what I wanted. <laughs> But I didn't want to light a million dollars on fire. <laughs> yeah, I'm always thinking like, which misclick will really yeah. screw me here? Yeah, yeah. So I don't do them, but I've looked at them. But <clears throat> um, sometimes you do want to. I the funny part is they take so long to set up, mm -hmm. and the time I would need them. Yeah, like I have done some fairly risky like after hours trading, like mm -hmm. after earnings, like right. before and after earnings. Like the biggest trade, the biggest single day I ever had I won't go into exact numbers but um so it was I so I've been trading Tesla a lot yeah as a matter of fact 2014 no 2013 <clears throat> my my two best trades were Tesla and Apple and Tesla I was long and Apple I was short and that's the year Apple went from 705 to 350 yeah that was a good year yeah um I, I should have just stayed in it the whole time but I was in and out of it yeah. a lot um but anyway so um, so Tesla was going to announce earnings. So right at the bell, mm -hmm. I get on and I buy, I think they're going to announce good earnings. Yeah. They were around what, like 55, $56 a share going when into this was? earnings. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. This was years ago. Right. Right. So I don't know what year it was. Oh, okay. Well, it might've been 2013. Okay. Cause I bought calls on them at 55, like right before, like when it was supposed to be good earnings about that time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I hadn't, I don't even know why I did this. I can't, it's, cause sometimes it's like really short term research and stuff you read and stuff. Right. Anyway, I just, I, I, I bought in after hours, um, five minutes later, they announced good earnings. It shoots up. Yeah. I put my sell order in like pretty quick. Yeah. Because it shot up like 10%. Yeah. It gets up to like up 19%. And so the way for those who don't know, there's an there's a line 
So when your order goes in, if it's not the first one, you have to wait for everybody else's to get filled. Mm, in the after hours <coughs> market. Yeah. Right. And well, I mean, that's the way it works, right? I'm not, I'm not talking. I think so. I've no, I don't well, cause there's ever... delay. That's why I'm right. And I always, I guess I assumed, or maybe I read that, mm. but I mean, your trade gets placed in the order that it's placed. Yeah. Right. Um, so if there's suddenly a million trades in a 10 second period, they're not all going to go bing right at the same time. Right. Oh, right. I mean, yeah, it, your, your trade gets placed and then they, but they have to match it. It has like, to execute. Yeah, they have right. to actually may find someone to take the other side of that trade. Right, and when that, it's mm. like, it's like all that, all that going into a little. It's like yeah. a broadband issue, you know. Yeah. So anyway, I place the the trade. Obviously, no ding because when that ding happens is when the trade has been executed. Meanwhile, I'm setting up my my short trade, <laughs> and then I look back at my at my trading software. And it's still going up and like at 18, ding, sell. And it goes up to 19 and it's like fighting. I put my short order in. Yeah. And then it goes down to like 5%. But it like, again, at like 10, I put my cover order in. Mm -hmm. So when you short, when you sell something, blah, 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 you short. And then it's called covering to yeah. get rid of, get out of that position. But anyway, um, and I did that like four times. And out of sheer luck... My trades were executing like right at the at the extremes of which way it went because it di it did this it went way up yeah way back down way back up way back down and then kept doing it but to a smaller extent and I I stopped after like four times yeah. but that was that was like um I don't, I don't know, I'm guessing like an eight percent gain to my whole account you must have felt like a freaking superhero I felt after like that a king. <laughs> And I've also done some stupid things and lost, I lost 70% of my account in a, it was a pump and dump. I should have known it. Oh, it was yeah. stupid. Yeah. I used to watch these, there's like YouTube guys and stuff and some of them are really good and they mm. put their software up and they, they, uh, um, they'll explain what they're looking into and they'll talk about charts and stuff. It's a yeah. good way to learn. Yeah. But somebody talked about this one stock and I got into it the next day and, and then I, and then I jumped in for more on margin yeah it was a, it was bad anyway um welcome to brad and ian's stock talk <laughs> <laughs> we've been going here for a little while um some people will be riveted and others will be like what the fuck yeah like, <laughs> these two camera nerds should get back to topic <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um well, we did talk a little bit. We talked about yeah. it. Maybe. We yeah, talked yeah. about you almost getting a job. Almost getting a job. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> I like almost getting jobs. <laughs> Actually, you've been getting a lot of jobs lately. I, I was looking at your IMDb. Oh, yeah. And um, I, I saw lots of cool stuff on there. I saw That's Us. Good. I saw Hillbilly Elegy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you're doing underwater on like everything now. But I see you're shooting <clears throat> too. Um, yeah, I get... I get some opportunities to to like be the overall DP. Uh, generally, it comes out of uh, there being a lot of water work in it, mm. <clears throat> and then they'll just be like, "Oh, why don't we just have you and shoot the whole thing then?" Right? I'm like, oh, okay, thanks. <clears throat> Instead like, of paying this extra person, <laughs> right? Right? Uh, yeah, I remember I did a Kaiser commercial where the original boards were like there was like one shot above water, and the rest was all under. So then mm. they gave they they gave it to me, and then. 
it, it turned into maybe half and half by the end of it. Oh, okay. Uh, but, but you'd already been hired. But I'd already been hired. Yeah, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we, you know, we ended up doing. We ended up shooting Steph Curry in like five hours, uh, three locations. Um, I mean, we had every time we needed to move a light for a new shot, we just brought in something else. It's like we had everything wired, multiple 18Ks just lined up next to each other because they had to move per setup. Uh-huh. It was ridiculous. But we got it done, and uh, we ended up winning a Clio for cinematography. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Oh, congrats yeah, for that to one. you, yeah, man. Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah, and then... Was he in the water, or was he out of the water? He was. He was. I mean, he's an athlete, and he was... Yeah, of course. He was exceptional in the water. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the, my, the funniest thing was um, I, put a, I put a ladder down in the bottom of the pool so he could swim down and just sit on it, because we were shooting like him from behind, um, holding these basketballs. And the first time we did it... Wait, so he could sit on it above water just oh, to no, chill? Oh, so no. He could, he could sit... He'll be completely underwater, but he would sit on the top of the ladder, and my shot was just holding like his numbers, right. and that way uh, he wasn't moving anywhere, and he was just in one space. It's just a way for him <clears> to be in a. Sp- yeah, spot, and that right? way, you know, because the water's like moving in three D. Sure, you know, it's hard for actors to, like hit their mark. Right, um, and even if they do, they can, I mean, it's three different dimensions for them to hit their exact spot. Right. So this way, I knew exactly where it was going to be. I could set my frame. I could light it. I could do all that. Uh, um, yeah. And that way I knew exactly where he was going to be. But um, we went down and he went down and he touched the ladder and they came up. And then I came up and he was like, hey, you know, there's a ladder down there. <laughs> I was like, absolutely. But he was more like concerned. Like, did you know it was there? Like, I don't want it to be in your shot. Uh, like, just very professional. And like, and I was like, oh, yeah, sorry, Steph. That's my bad. I was like, I put that there for you. You can just go sit on it. And he was like, oh, okay, cool. And then he went down, sat on it, and it was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny. <laughs> um, like, oh, yeah, right. I, you know, that would be weird to, like, dive underwater, like, to, you know, like, float underwater. Ladder and be underwater? Like, Someone left a ladder in the pool? What's going on? <laughs> I mean, for us, it's normal. We use them all the time for placing actors and, you know, whatever else. But right. for a you know, professional basketball player, it might be out of place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh- that's cool. Mm. Yeah. I don't know too much about underwater work. Although I technically did, for mm. some TV show, I did a, an underwater-ish shot. Not underwater. <laughs> well, I, I we were, but... Okay, I, I went down a slide, like at a hotel. Oh, okay. Like, a, you know, with the yeah. camera and then went under. And yeah. then, I, I think they used the whole thing. I can't yeah. remember. That's it was, awesome. It was a very long time ago. Yeah. but <clears throat> that must have been fun. It was super fun. Yeah. But it wasn't a big... Um, it was just like a little mini, I can't, mini DV or something. Dude, mm. this would have been in like 99 or something. Oh, okay. I, yeah, so long ago. <laughs> but um, yeah, um, how did you get into underwater? I mean, were you a diver first or were you? Well, I, growing up, I always loved like swimming and, but I never, I never wanted to go fast, like competing with other people and like who could get across the pool first was not my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't, uh. I didn't really like doing much besides like being underwater and like looking at things. Right. Um, so when I had, uh, I met in college, I met, um, an amazing underwater operator named Mike Thomas, who he did, and he's retired now, but he worked for John Toll. He did Thin Red Line, Castaway, mm. Truman Show, like all, and plus many, many more. Um, I met him and he like showed a bunch of his work and I was like, Oh my God, like this is a job. Like you can shoot underwater. That's, perfect right um and so i ended up talking with him and he was nice enough to 
uh, give me his email and we kept in touch and then I moved down to LA and I had been scuba certified and I think my final when I was in I went to school for cinematography and my final project was like half underwater because oh. I knew that if I wanted to do it I had to have something to show like no one's just gonna right. you know no one's gonna give me a job anyways when I moved down <laughs> right right um, but you let alone like oh yeah yeah why don't you go underwater and do yeah, that yeah something on your reel yeah exactly yeah. <clears throat> so right. well, we did that and then Mike kept uh, returning emails which was great of him um, and I ended up just doing like one more job underwater that when I moved to LA and mm. then the next year it was maybe two Right. And it just continued to build up. And um, what were you, know, you doing in the meantime? In the meantime, I interned under John Toll, and then I I was a DP for this movie called Sleeping Dogs Lie. We went to Sundance in '06. Oh, really? Yeah, we um we got a theatrical release, and I believe our uh, our total box office was ten thousand seven hundred dollars. Wow. Yeah. Big. Yeah. Um, Big. <laughs> Needless to say, it was a great experience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, Bobcat Goldthwait directed it, and he's amazing. Oh, did he really? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. He's. Cool. I mean, he's the best. And like, I've <laughs> seen. I saw. What's it called? I love America or something. Yeah, I love did? America. Yeah, is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. Crazy movie. Super. And there's another one. I. I, I sorry, Bob. I'm forgetting the name, but it's a. Uh, Robin Williams is in it, and it's about uh, how he finds his like his son had like auto erotic asphyxiated himself but then like the dad and it's this whole i mean it's still an amazing movie like really heartfelt and touching and but again like bob just does these topics that are so like off the wall but yet right. he has such a great touch with the actors and the story and everything like it's it's still great yeah yeah it's funny because so many people know him you know mm -hmm. from his comedy and his whole shtick that he did oh yeah it's not like that at all right not in person <clears throat> no i mean he's such a great director now he did uh, like the man show and jimmy kimmel and well that's the I funny mean, part he hooked up with jimmy kimmel yeah. and like d directed like thousands of episodes of the jimmy kimmel <laughs> yeah. show and, yeah <laughs> yeah and like i found that out one day and i was like bobcat goldthwaite is yeah. the director yeah <laughs> what yeah <laughs> But then you've, you know, like I said, I saw some of his movies, but I didn't, I didn't even know about, I might've heard of that one, but yeah. I haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, what's that about? Oh uh, boy. Um, it, it's about, uh, a young lady who has a, uh, a dark secret in her past, um, who tries to decide if she needs to tell her fiance everything about her life or just are some things kept a secret. Mm. And, uh, she decides, no, she should tell, she should tell everything. And when she does you know just mayhem ensues and the family's disappointed and you know it, but it becomes a great story about you know if you should keep secrets or some things best left unsaid um do you want to spoil it i mean it came out in 06 right uh you know there might be someone out there still trying okay. to watch it but right. uh but no but if you um you know if you perform certain actions on your dog <clears throat> oh god that's right yeah uh then yeah, but it's, I mean, it is kind of genius because she couldn't have anything dark in her past, like, oh, she murdered someone or like, oh, she was a human trafficker, or, like any of these other terrible things, you know? So right. like, she, she says you do that and you're like, oh God. And you have all these like emotions about how that's, yeah, whatever. Right. Um, but you don't automatically say, well, she's also a bad person for doing it. Whereas if she's like, oh, well, I killed my best friend and then buried her body in the woods and didn't tell anyone. <laughs> right, You're right, like, right, okay, right. no, you're just a terrible person. Like, don't, you know, but with this, 
there's a little bit of ambiguity yeah you can see how people can be like disgusted by it and like turned off and disappointed but like it's been years and like is she really a bad person because of that like if she's grown from there and i mean and there's no right there's a difference between someone who's made a mistake and someone who's just a bad person yeah and but it leaves enough wiggle room in there to like have the story about it and uh, right kind of you can kind of judge on like if she's a really amazing person now like how much can you hold against her for her past Right. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting concept. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, I mean, with everything, like it, it's still like it competed in Sundance for like the narrative feature film awards. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot there that people watched and saw and, you know, and I mean, yes, people walked out, you, right. know? <laughs> you know, but then also like other critics are like raving about like all, you know, all the good things about it and like how deep it is and all kinds of different things. It's funny, good movies, I often say, uh, you know, you know, you see, you know, it's like art or whatever, you know, it's like a film air quotes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If, if some people hate it and some people love it. Oh yeah. You know, if everybody's like, eh, then it's probably bland. Yeah. 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 Um, I I remember hearing (laughs) stories about Jerry. Mm. Have you seen Jerry? It's a Gus Van Sant movie. No. All right. Jerry went to Sundance. Okay. And I read about it. Uh, half the theater got up and walked out yeah. for screening. Oh, wow. And, which I never understood why. But <clears throat> it's there's no script. It's improvised. Huh. It's Matt Damon and Casey Affleck walking around like... Oh, is this the desert one? Yeah. Okay. Like on a hike. It's not all Steadicam, but a lot of it is Steadicam and really long takes like 10 minute takes just one 10 minute take after another wow um and or 11 whatever but like they're they're stretching it as far as they can and they're just walking the whole time and they get lost and but it's basically just two people in a movie talking the whole time and they both call each other jerry with g um (laughs) so uh I don't understand why half the people walked out. I'm guess I guess they just thought it was boring or whatever. Mm. But um, like your movie, I get a little more because it's like oh, whoa, yeah. you yeah. know, yeah, it's like the opening scene of the movie. You're like, right. oh snap, right? Yeah. And I don't understand. But anyway, um, I love that movie, and I could I didn't understand because it's such a um, it's such a psychological. It's yeah, it's a psychological. I don't know. I don't know the right, but they're both freaked out because they get really lost. Yeah, you know, and they have no water, and sh- some shit happens, and All a right. lot. Of, it's also very funny. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Oh, um, they're kind of witty banner at each other. They're like they're what seems to be like old friends. You know what I mean? Yeah, known each other a really long time. And anyway, I I suggest it to anyone. And there's really great steady cam. Who is the guy? I think his name is Matthias. Matthias Mesa. Hmm. I think he's Argentinian. Gosh, I hope okay. I'm not screwing that up. Yeah. But um, yeah, he did. I think he did Elephant as well. Um, that other Gus Van Sant movie. Yeah. Anyway, very good operator. But nice. um, and think about the terrain they're hiking. So oh, they're yeah. out in the mountain. You he know. was probably walking backwards. Yes, he was. <laughs> 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 and uh, and you know they're shooting film, so yeah. you know big camera anyway um but that's really cool how did you get that job with with uh oh man 
Um, I'll call him Bob now since we're yeah, so familiar. Since we're, yeah. Uh, I, I interviewed for it. Um, I went into, I actually went into Jimmy Kimmel Live because <clears throat> Bob was working. So I went in there and uh, Marty Pacetta Jr. Uh, was there. He, he was our producer and he's got tons of credits producing TV. Like, I think his dad pro- like directed the Academy Awards show for years and already oh, okay. like following his footsteps right. of like doing a lot of direction and he's done some amazing things on his own um i went into jimmy kimmel i met both of them talked about um uh what i thought about the movie and uh, you know i i left them like my reel which you know looking back on it now is like oh really you hired this guy um <laughs> but uh i think well that's what i'm wondering you're like yeah. interning with <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean you're like oh, an, no. you're uh, not even a camera assistant no not anything. even um right keep in mind that the budget was like nine dollars yeah um, and yeah. we shot it in 12 days but yeah even with that like bob you know there's people around who would love to you know for to shoot for bob sure um but I, I read the script and my take was that this was you can take a script that has those things and like with Bobcat directing it and you can immediately go, Oh, well, this is a comedy, you know, it should look like a comedy and just go down that road. And, you know, the first thing I said to Bob was like, look, look, this is, this is a drama with very funny moments throughout it. Uh-huh. And I want to like, visually, I think it should look like a drama. Like it should just be them, like their daily, you know, their lives you know, shoot it that way, you know, not make it like high key and funny and look like, you know, look like I could, you know, I don't want to say a typical comedy because some of them are, are beautifully done, um, but just not the stereotypical, yeah. <clears throat> uh, but take it more like a, like a darker drama. Like this is a, you know, dark period in her life, you know, like all of these things that are happening, you mm-hmm. know, just, but treat it, you know, treat it like that. So, you know, a lot more contrast, like more, you know, soft, you know, soft, but really controlled lighting, et cetera. And that's what I pitched. And that's what he you know, kind of gravitated towards and, you know, gave me a shot at it. And, right. you know, you, you, I mean, if, if you ever watch it, um, if you can find it, um, you know, it is, it is definitely not like a drama, but it's also, we, it was a hard, hard thing. I mean, I was, I think I was like 22 when we shot it. Oh my God. <clears throat> I know. <laughs> uh, okay. How and, did you even get the interview? <laughs> that's what I want to know. Uh, I am not super sure about that. Um, I know that I moved here. I was sending out like a ton of like resumes and stuff off of Craigslist. I was, you know, just anything like there's a bunch of websites you send your stuff out on. I a funny story. I just got, um, a request for, for me, like a job offer off of some website I signed up on 15, 16 years ago. And like, so like it, my, my resume is like what I did in school. And That's like, hilarious. It, but it sat up there for like 15 years and I never updated it and then just got like a job offer based on it. And you know, That's funny. Yeah. It didn't work out. Let's just say that. <laughs> um, I wouldn't think so. No. Uh, but so I, I, it may have been that, I mean, Bob did joke in front of the entire audience at Sundance that I was the best DP Craigslist can find. Oh shit. Um, which I don't take as an insult, <laughs> right? Uh, because he did say I was the best. 
Um, so um, that may have been it. Like the, I don't remember like a specific time that I sent it out for that job. It God, was that really is a like little a, insulting, isn't it? I'm sure he didn't mean it that way. No, and then, I mean the thing that's I think that you have to know, Bob. And if you just heard that, you could be like, oh. But like when I heard that and my wife heard it, like we both burst out laughing about it. Got it. Because of like, just at that point, like w- what our relationship to him was. Well, jokes and, mean something <clears throat> a lot different when, when you when you've known someone for a while and you oh, understand yeah. their sense yeah, of humor yeah. and, and, and that they care about you yeah and right. that we had like we had done all of that and we were like sitting at sundance all together yes and it was a whole different you know right if you just heard it randomly you could be like oh well, that's kind of fucked <laughs> but for us we're like oh my god that's hilarious yeah <laughs> probably i mean yeah why like how did i get this job <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but uh, so you don't even know where the interview came from. No, I mean, and I w- you got a phone call. I would guess it was probably off of Craigslist. I'm assuming. Like, really? Based, well, based on that, you know, based on that comment, I would assume. Right. You know, I don't remember like submitting specifically for that, but yeah, I got an email from I think it was Marty, the producer, like, hey, like blah blah blah, come in and talk. And I was in the middle of interning for uh, for John at the time, and so. We were shooting nights and splits, so I ended up going in and doing the interview. Before and then, work. like Yeah, and then, like, rushing to Pasadena to, like, show up and get everyone coffee. Oh, Hollywood to Pasadena. That's a mm, great run. It was really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was before GPS, so I was, like, had my Thomas guide out and trying to figure out where I was. Wait, what year was this? 2000, maybe six, five? I mean, I'm sure GPS existed. I just couldn't afford it. Right. So I had a... Well, wait, but you had, like, see, what I used to do, okay, yeah. I did have a Thomas Guide when okay. I first moved here. Yeah. Oh, two. And, but then pretty soon after you got, like, yeah. Yahoo Maps. Oh, yeah. Or, you had, or, or what was it? MapQuest. Sure. And I had that. So at, I would print out. Yeah. A, <laughs> I had that at home. Sure. Okay. I was like, and then, yeah, I could print it out and look at where you're going and right, right, all right, those right. kind of things. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 It, it wasn't like it was on my phone, and I could see. Oh, that's the you know. Oh. Yeah. Of course. And right. now we get upset. Like you didn't put the address in the body of the email, so I can just go straight over to Maps. Right. I have to copy it off a of PDF. <laughs> and I think back to that, and I was like, Oh, sometimes I'd have no idea where I am. It's so much easier, and they would write out turn by turn directions. And yeah. If you're coming from. If you're coming south on the 101, yeah. if you're coming north on the 405, yeah. and have to explain to everybody, yeah. oh my God. <clears throat> I mean, think about it. They probably lost a person in the location department that just did that. Oh, probably. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like, just typing out. Oh, just dealing with that constantly. There. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Anyway, and, and the Thomas Guide stuff was like, turn to page 391 of your Thomas Guide. Oh, yeah. Look in square A, and then line 7, you're like, what the fuck? And then, okay, well, how do I get here now? Turn back to... Yeah. <laughs> oh. It was... Those were... It was crazy. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, there's a movie... <laughs> I think it's called Stealing Hollywood. I've talked okay. about it before with mm. um, the kid who played E.T. Okay. Um. What's his name? Thomas. Henry Thomas? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Anyway, um, it just always cracked me up. Like, he plays a PA. Mm-hmm. And I've talked about this movie on the podcast before, actually. But he plays a PA. It's so well done. Yeah. He plays the, the LA PA to a movie that's shooting out of town. Mm. So he's got this, like, coordinator or assistant coordinator who's in LA who treats him like shit. 
and he's got a pager, so he's constantly being paged. <laughs> yeah. He has to pull over the payphone. Why aren't you back? Because you keep paging me. Like, you know? Like, yeah. Then, like, him flipping through the Thomas guide, trying to find his way to places. Oh my God. And, like, it, it's, it was just funny. Yeah. I mean, it, th- to think about how fast things changed. Yeah. I mean, it's c- going on 20 years here, but, like, that's not that long. Yeah. <laughs> the older I get, the, the shorter I think that is. <laughs> yeah. But you meet a young kid, he's like, 20 years. Oh, my God. Yeah. They're like, yeah that's three quarters of my life or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Oh, so to go back, um, yeah. So I was, I did the interning and then I shot the movie for Bob and then again, I was just unemployed. So I did anything to find like, uh, any job that I could in the, you know, in the industry. And I did, I, I second assisted for like an AFI film. I pulled focus on like these no budget, you know, and that's actually where I met Dave McFarlane, who we we met with. Was I think I did a movie with him uh, for very little money. Uh-huh. I think it was like two hundred thousand dollar budget for the whole movie. Some, oh, I don't know something like that, and a bunch of aliens in it, and uh, I forget a lot of a lot of the details. Yeah, uh, but Dave was the DP for it. <clears throat> okay, and I, so I was pulling focus for him, and that's when we met got it um and i don't i think i worked for him i like one more thing after that and then we hadn't connected again until uh i came in and covered john on the movie you worked on the right boy next door yeah yeah the classic yeah uh, <laughs> and then i ended you know i ended up meeting with you know getting with a dp who liked me and you know he was a non-union dp so i was pulling focus for him um oh because i got hired as an i got sent to arizona to cover their B first because their B first wasn't pulling focus very well. And they were like, Hey, do you want to come pull focus on B camera? I was like, okay, sure. Why not? Like I'm not in the union as anything. I didn't really second it well, for somebody who's not really a focus puller Yeah, <laughs> to go cover somebody who's, who's having problems on focus. Yeah. There's a <laughs> lot of questionable <laughs> decisions on both sides of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I took, I took the job <laughs> and there was a lot of long lens in the woods, but I ended up not getting fired. Okay. And, uh, the DP, uh, who's passed away, Neil, uh, he was from New York. And so his a first was from New York. Wait, Neil that shot um, the Blair Witch Project. No. What's his last name? Lisk. Oh, okay. Neil, yeah. I don't know who. Th- Wait, Neil Lisk. Yeah. English guy. Yeah. I worked with him. Oh, uh, yeah. He passed away. He did years ago. I didn't know that. Yeah. How? Um, what I heard was uh, like a random like heart defect that no one knew about. So he was, oh, he was just. shit. I know. He was doing like yard work or something and then just killed over yeah wow yeah but i mean he was in a positive note like he was an amazing guy and you know his first was from new york and neil was moving to la so he He liked me so i ended up just pulling focus for him and we did a bunch of movies together oh okay um and i mean he is an amazing guy and you know sadly he left behind a daughter and a wife and oh that's sad that's too bad yeah but we we worked together uh for a while and then I kept, you know, then I moved, I don't want to say I moved on. I, I, I started working with somebody else and then Neil's work was like kind of changing and, you know, I ended up just ending up working for other people a lot more. Uh-huh. I come in and work for Neil once in a while. They went to Florida for a couple of days right after a hurricane. He told me it was a commercial. It was a reality show. Very different. 
Um, he told you it was a commercial? Well, I think he thought it was like promos for a reality show. Uh, so I think he, the way that he communicated it was one way. So like I had like my cart and like all my bags and like everything went out there. It was like the and wrong thing. It was like, oh no, you're in charge of like tapes and batteries. I'm like, oh, Neil, uh, we need to talk. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and then eventually like I got my days and joined 600 as a first um, and then somehow survived doing that what year was that oh god i don't know um two, i'm gonna say 2000 maybe 2010 okay so i think i've i have 10 10 years i think i have 10 years um i have 15 now nice. 2005 yeah Ugh. um <laughs> <laughs> uh but then i did that for a while i was not to be honest i wasn't really happy doing it um, pulling focus. Yeah. That is. And like, but it was a way into the union. It was a way in and it was, you know, I was making money and I was working and everything yeah. was good. But then I met an amazing DP, Mihai Malamari Jr. Um, and he, like one of his movies is, uh, he shot the master for PT Anderson. He just did that movie, Jojo rabbit that came out. Oh, did he shoot that? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, cool. <clears throat> uh, we, uh, I had worked for the Coppola's and he had shot two movies for Francis or yeah, two movies for Francis by that time. And uh, so we were introduced. Like when he moved to L.A., they're like, oh, well, you should meet Ian. So we went and had coffee. And right. I m- introduced him to a lot of the crew he still uses today. Oh, like, cool. so like Sean Mayer and Eli and a bunch of those guys who work with him. Um, and then we ended up like bouncing around. We did some work together. We did one of Francis's movies together. Where's Mihai from? Romania. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just didn't, I had no idea where that name was from. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, Rom- Romania. Got it. Um, and then I think we did a movie in South Carolina, and they he wanted to bring me as his A first, and they said, no, 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 we have a great like camera department here. You, you can bring one guy, but we know what we don't have is a B camera operator. Oh. And so then Mihai was like, okay, well, I'll bring Ian as my B operator. Uh, he's like, because he wants someone he knew to like, so they you know, like look forced at. you to bump <laughs> up. <laughs> well, I was very happy about it. Of course. Yeah. Um, and so I did that. And Mihai is great. I think I did like the first week was like lock offs and I nailed those <laughs> lock offs. Um, and then, you know, because he is very particular about his framing and what he wants. And, oh, okay. you know, so I was, you know, I'd been pulling for him, but I was kind of learning more of like the operating style of like how he likes things framed and movements and all that. So, yeah. you know, then I started doing simple moves and by the end, you know, we're doing all kinds of stuff together and I, I've operated a few movies and uh, commercials and all kinds of stuff with him, being able to go off, like shoot second unit for him cool. on some, I forget what, but some things here and there. And I mean, he's also just a great guy. Like we've been friends for years and I've, you know, we've introduced people like I, there's a picture of my kid at like three months old, like in his arms uh-huh. because he came over to like see, <laughs> How old is your? You have a son, right? Yeah, he's seven. Seven, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I remember he was very young when we met. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, yeah. And where do you live now? Are you still in town? Um, yes. Cause, cause you texted me. You're like, uh, oh, you. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. But you had a house in Burbank or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, house in Burbank. Um, and our kid went to school there. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> what was it? Well, you were out of town, right? I well, I'm out of town maybe ten months of the year. Yeah, you've been. Working I'm just out. working, so it's been. Where you been working to, mainly? Uh, well, Atlanta a lot. I did yeah. well I, because I took an operating job, um, and it's operating, 
and like double up in second unit DP work for Netflix's show Insatiable. Oh, okay. Um, so that was maybe five or six months uh, right. over the last couple of years. Yeah. You know, I did two seasons with them. Oh, okay. Um, but then it's usually it's traveling back to Atlanta to do underwater work or, I mean, from, from that aspect, I'm in like the Caribbean, all over the California, yeah. all over the U.S., um, everywhere i was just in bangkok doing some underwater work there oh cool so it's really like once i'm in la it's just i jump on a flight wherever production wants me to go and right it's so it's so specialized like yeah they they know they're flying underwater in yeah generally yeah 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 and you know a lot of depends on i think you get to a certain budget and you know because the underwater work is so expensive to do Mm um you know there's a feeling of wanting to bring in people who have you know a long like like a history of experience and like being able to deliver what they're looking for and i mean and it's also as you said it's specialized so even talking to production like i'll usually have a couple conversations and um conference calls with like a director and maybe the UPM or the producer ahead of time about, you know, cause they may not have produced anything underwater before, or they may have, it's been a while or they may have but this particular, you know, so we'll discuss like, well, what should we do for safety? Like how many people do you think that we should have? Right. You know, well, you know, the, uh, we think the tank should be this deep. Is that going to be okay? You know, really go over all of like the logistics of doing the actual shoot, like well in advance. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, then they'll fly me in I'll, or, you know, or Pete Romano or Pete Zuccarini or, you know, whoever else they want to, they, they want to hire. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times I'll be able to bring like Lauren Elkins or Peter Lee or one of my like water tech first ACs with me. Mm. Um, because they know the housing and that's a whole other thing about getting that camera stripped down, put it in the housing, get it all working, keep yeah. it water sealed, you know, and there are plenty of, I think there's a lot of first assistants out there who do can you own do housings it. or they're all rented. No, I all through Hydroflex. Yeah. Okay. Um, because their new remote aqua cam, like the MK five, it's like 19 different camera systems can go in there. And oh. I'm sure there are more that can, because they've built it in a way where it's really like a tray on the bottom that lifts the lens up to the center point of the dome or the port. And so it makes it easy. Like if we need to shoot Alexa mini and phantom, we can slide it in there, shoot the phantom shot, slide it out and slide the mini in. It's like five, 10 minute changeover max. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Instead of carrying two housings and everything else, it's just bam, you know, it was really quick, really easy changeover, you know, leave it all pressed and controlled and you just plug in everything again and you're good to go. Right. Um, but because of that, you know, and it's so expensive, like every minute on set is expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so at a certain point, like bringing my, you know, my water techs and everything of like that, like even traveling them, even to Atlanta where there is such a huge, you know, a good crew there. Um, it kind of makes sense. It even makes them feel better, like another layer of insurance. Right. You know. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you something that happened. I was doing a banana boat sunscreen commercial. Yeah. I don't know when. 2000. Who knows? Yeah. I was a PA. Yeah. No, I was. No, I was art department. Okay. Um, anyway, um, a couple of interesting things happened on this job. The first was we were shooting in Wakiva Springs State Park, which was actually super close to where I live. Oh, wow. But there was a, a natural spring there. And doing some shots of i think because it was all like 
20 somethings running you know two good looking guys two good looking girls you sure. know so i think it was them jumping in the water in the spring you know yeah. shit like that anyway this director brett i forget his name doesn't matter he was director <laughs> dp and he owned two aton i'm pretty sure 35 mil cameras okay. so they got a hydroflex and um and they put it in and these assistants were good mm. um and in Florida, as you can imagine, they, they do a fair amount of water, yeah. you know, oh, uh, yeah. housing stuff. And um, anyway, the the they they put the they put it in to test it, and all of a sudden, water's shooting in. <laughs> Get it out as mm. fast as they can. I was standing right there. I watched it all happen, and it turned out it wasn't their fault. Well, okay, I mean, it wasn't all their fault. Hydroflex sent it without that screw in it, and it's a screw that never comes out. Like mm. assistants don't take out. Right, right. So they probably should have noticed it was there. Yeah. But it, it's not like they didn't t- put it in, you know? Right, right. They but probably should have noticed the hole. Probably. And housing. I don't I think it was pretty small because the water came <laughs> yeah. in really, like, it wasn't fast. Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, um, they were like, oh my God. And none of us has ever worked with this director before. Yeah. And they're like, Brett, uh. <laughs> and he goes, well, I got a second body. Yeah. Try not to sink that one. Yeah. <laughs> he was so cool about it. He was just like, you know. Yeah. I mean, these things do happen. You know, you put the camera in the water, you know, so many times over and over again that like even a little bit of dirt like on an O-ring can create enough to let water in. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially when you go deeper, there's more pressure, right? Yeah. And, and I mean, I, yeah. I mean, I, I try to stay within 16 feet just for color, you know, uh, color because uh the warm tones start disappearing like the deeper you get really so, oh yeah so like if you're i didn't know that yeah if you're within this, this makes sense yeah so the the what do you call them the the ray like the faster moving rays you know oh man i'm blanking on all these terms um like, like uv the, rays or yeah yeah like the the red like red is like um the wave that it creates is a lot faster like it undulates a lot more a lot faster so when it gets into the water it dies off quicker and so uh. if you're in within um I know that there are scientific terms that I know for these things <clears throat> that you can't recall that I can't recall moment. in the moment. <laughs> um, but uh, so if you're within like 16 feet, like you're going to capture like the the warm skin tones and everything. They're correctly. still there. They're still there. And as ah. you go deeper, you lose like your reds, and then your you know all your warm tones start disappearing. Got it. And you're left with like a Blues. cyan blue, you know, and that's it. So if you look at things that are that color, you know a lot of like older older photography or if you see a camera start at the top and just go all the way down you'll really notice how all those tones just disappear right um but then huh. if you bring a light source with you underwater you can you know you're basically starting it all over again because you're punching out like the full spectrum sure. and then when it hits you know you'll have those tones again until it gets farther and farther away right um if you have a camera that does not auto white balance um, like it's just stuck. It's not like a consumer that just does whatever it wants. If you set it to say like set it to daylight and you go close to one of those pool lights, it'll look like warm. And then if you just stay underwater and swim directly away from it, it'll get cooler. You'll just watch it get cooler. <coughs> oh, that's and crazy. cooler and cooler. And then you'll huh. be like 30 feet away and it'll be like a blue light. But when you get up close to it, it's like a tungsten light. Wow. I had no yeah. idea. That's crazy. Yeah. And it, you have to think about that when you're lighting, because if I have a unit, you know, <clears throat> let's say I have a, like a S30 sky panel, you know, beautiful diffusion and it's up against your face, like three feet away, you know, and then the fill is like a 20 by, 
you know, 40 feet away, you know, you're going to, all those warm tones have now died by the time that they get to you sure. compared to that. So you're, I'm really giving you like a cyan fill ver, versus say like a, you know, a quote white right. key um, <clears throat> right. because my source is so far away. Huh. And so then you've got to think, well, maybe I bring the source closer or do I gel it? I mean, but even gelling it, what are you going to add more? I mean, they're all going to die, you know? So you have to think <sighs> about all of these things. Like, do you add, you know, do you color balance more for one and then the other? Right. Um, I mean, you can, nowadays you can correct a lot too. Oh right? yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. But I, you know, I try to like deliver an image that's yeah, usable. The right. And not like, <laughs> Hey, make it better later guys. No, of course. <laughs> of course. I yeah. mean, and no, I'm not saying that. I'm just no. saying like, I'm sure like colorists know all this shit oh yeah about underwater yeah so like basically they know going in like i'm probably gonna have to warm this up a oh little, yeah yeah, or, yeah. or and, whatever yeah i yeah. mean when we did we did some things um actually it's i think it's playing at sundance like omniboat um it was a series of short films that like packaged together as one um where it was about a my part was about a free diver who goes down to maybe 200 feet um and then there's like a monster um but we faked that in a tank in Miami. And so we were out in Bimini, like shooting her for real, like free diving and then, mm -hmm. you know, being chased around this wreck and all this cool stuff. But on the, on the deep, deep parts, you know, we couldn't shoot that at 200 feet. You right. know, obviously. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like a 14 hour decompression or something like that. If I dove down there on air. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and besides that, like the the color lighting, I mean, there's no reason to do that. Right. Um, so we faked it in a tank in you Miami. You can go 200 feet on air though, right? You can, like yeah. Scuba. Yeah, yeah, right, you yeah. definitely can. It's, it's dangerous just, though, right? It's, it's dangerous, and then like you've got your decompression time. Depending like on, you like, can only be down there like five minutes, and then you got to start coming back up, It's right? something quick like that. Right. Yeah, and depending, again, and depending on like... you can double tank or something. Yeah, right? and like you can use, I think, you know, if you're using different mixes of gases and, you know, it changes, you know, the exact numbers will change depending on different factors. Sure, yeah, of course. You can't spend much time there and like longer decompression time and... There's also like why? Why would we try to do production at 200 feet? Well, no, I didn't. I, sorry, I didn't mean. I didn't mean that you'd want to shoot the no, depth. depth on no, no, no. Uh, although yeah. people people have, yeah, because those free diving contests they actually shoot them the whole way down. But I get the impression that those are like GoPros or they probably are, and um, with and, a special housing or something. And then I, I I've seen some like behind the scenes of those, and there'll be like cameramen at different levels. Yeah, so you're like at like a certain depth. Right. Uh, and then you've got to decompress and come up and yeah 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 um, <clears throat> oh but so we shot we sh we faked her at, she never got more than sixteen feet deep in the tank okay. but then but we, we use those color principles to then color it to make it look you know to make it seem like she went that deep so we you know started pulling out a lot of the warmer tones the deeper she went down and got left it. it a lot more like monochromatic right you know when she was down that deep. The only problem, uh, but then what we did have is we had a red, like beacon that was blinking, and so it was a it was a matter of balancing like the pull out of the warm tones, but then leaving the red because the red was from the source, so the red would still be there. Right. Um. So it's like trying to only pull out the color, the warm tones from the top, you know, sunlight, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. but then leaving that, and it would you know it when it would turn on, you know, it would light up her. Right. Yeah, so it was a balance of doing that. Yeah, that's a little tough. Yeah. Yeah. Funny, I did a movie where a girl's a free diver too. <laughs> <laughs> and we actually had a free diver that was going to be like um the the stunt diver. Mm. But the the actress ended up doing it all. But oh, but it wasn't her. but it wasn't, you know, again. Yeah. 
maybe she got 20 feet oh, okay. at one point. Yeah. I mean, we shot it all. We shot it in the ocean. Yeah. Um, but it was in like 50 feet of water. Mm. So nice. <clears throat> who, sh- who did that? Um, some guy that lives in the Bahamas, mm-hmm. some underwater guy. He was older. Okay. I, I can't remember his name, but it was, it might've been the first red underwater housing. Oh, wow. It was 2008. Okay. 2008. It was a red one, you know. Wow. It was really new. <laughs> we were worried about it, too. We thought yeah. it was going to overheat in the housing. Yeah. And it never... Well, I think it did once, yeah. but it was, like, pretty minor. Oh, wow. But, um, yeah. Nice. Anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but free, dive, free diving's kind of cool. I've done not not, like... Not like super deep like those people, yeah. but I grew up for four years in the Cayman Islands. Oh, wow. So I'm obviously too young to scuba Yeah. at the time, but my dad and I would go out and we'd just park the boat above a wreck and just go. I would dive 50 feet. I could hold my breath for like two or three minutes. Yeah. And that's great. We would just swim wrecks. And like in the Bahamas, we were at lunch. We would, we would eat out on the boat. Yeah. We spent many days out on the boat. Yeah. And, um, Having after lunch, um, one of the guys was like, "Oh, I wonder how deep it is here," and uh, the 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 driver was like, "Oh, he had a depth finder. He was like, it's fifty five feet right here." Yeah. Like, oh, I'm like, I bet I could, I bet I could touch the bottom, yeah. and they're like, "No, you can't. What are you crazy?" I'm like, <laughs> I, t- "I think I can." Yeah, I just. They're like, no way. And I dove down. Yeah. And then on the way, I'm like, oh, they won't believe me unless I bring like a rock back. Yeah. 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 And then I grabbed like a rock and then swam back up. And it's been a while, mm-hmm. a very long time since I was down that deep. Yeah. Which isn't that deep, but no. is deep enough to die. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. and I started, I was not anywhere, but like when you're ta- when you're like, this should be the one mm-hmm. that like when you're swimming up and you're like, this stroke <laughs> should do it. And this stroke should not do it. quite this there. Stroke, you're like Jesus, <laughs> and you're you're just at the point where you're like, you're starting to want to take a breath. Yeah, you know, and it's yeah. a minute or forty five seconds or whatever it is, and yeah. then, like then you have like six more strokes, and you come up and you're like, <sighs> there's like that tiny moment of like, whoo, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you were never in danger, but yeah, yeah. But your ears popped pretty good. Yeah, and your <laughs> your body's like, I need to breathe, and then finally, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, it starts telling you like. Yeah, you know, we, I'm sure you've been there. Yeah, but um, yeah. have you ever had any scary, um, <coughs> um, stuff? I mean, not just shooting, but like doing scuba or anything. Um, anything sketchy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually during one. This is just scary, um, but it shows why you need to have, be safe. Um, it was, we were doing, we were shooting in Long Beach in a pool that's now closed. Um, it's like a big, like Olympic size pool. Okay. Built the set, had a bunch of lights around it and everything, a bunch of people in the water. Uh, we made sure that we, everything was GFI'd. We're all good and safe. Uh, one of our 4Ks, uh, leaked power into the water and, uh, which without GFI's you probably die. Uh, but because we had those. Um, some people say they felt like a pinch or whatever, but like, uh, from the water anywhere, you didn't have a wetsuit on. Um, I didn't really feel anything, but that's besides the point. Uh, we were working and then suddenly everything went black cause it killed power 
to the whole, to everything. Right. And so everything went black. Well, the GFI did what it was supposed to do. Exactly. Right? Yeah. It worked. Yeah. Um, but for us, you're like, you're like moving around and like, I was just mid water. And so then everything just went black. And this, I mean, we we're at night in a pool, like there's no lights because it's an interior pool. Right. And for, there was a moment there where I was just floating like weightless. You're like, with which like way nothing. is I was up? Like, well, that, and I was like, am I alive? Because there was a moment where just everything just clicked off black. Oh my it's god! It's like a light switch like turns off, but you don't. You're not like standing on anything. Like you're just there, weightless for a <sighs> moment, and then that's the craziest. And then I felt like the water like moving, and then someone turned on flashlights from above. I was like, oh, okay, good. <sighs> <sighs> good. Did you really have a moment where you're <laughs> there, like, it was? Yeah, it, it was. Is it? It was a, it was a brief moment before oh. you had to, I did like think about like textures and like then you could feel the water moving across your face and those things you're like oh okay 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 but I just I remember that one like brief moment of Whoa. I was like what if well, like what if right now like the you know for like if you just gone yeah like what would it feel like like we, I, we, we don't we, know yeah and if I once I know I just can't tell you um, right but so that it was like everything just went black and I'm like right hold on okay 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 now we're alive okay we're fine um and then scary that was scary but at work uh i was diving in the philippines and i don't i don't think i had a a dive card that allowed me to do wrecks mm. um but i showed the dive master my underwater reel and then we dove wrecks <laughs> Okay, <laughs> and I was with my little cousin, who's kind of a badass. Um, this girl, Bonnie. Um, oh, the so, inventor. No, no, no. Oh, um, who am I? Thinking? That's oh, that's my cousin Catelyn. I, I told yeah. you about her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. No, Bonnie is. Um, she is super outdoorsy. I think she got her. I don't want to say permit or whatever to be like a fire jumper. Like they jump out of helicopters and put out fires. Wow. Um, she, but she turned down a job at the San Francisco Fed like economics stuff to like go out and do all this outdoorsy stuff. Um, so I think like I can drop her in any country with like a knife and a chocolate bar and like, she'll come back with friends and stories. <laughs> um, but anyway, so we were diving and she wanted to go do it. And I showed like, Oh, look at this. And so there's a wreck, like a world war two rack down 120 feet. And, um, Oh, d- whoa. 120 yeah, feet. It was deep. Oh yeah. <laughs> so we went down and the scariest second scariest moment was, coming up to the ship had sank and turned on its side uh-huh. and so where we went in was like a loading port for cargo and it's just this you know massive it doesn't look too big until you get up to it and it's this pitch black hole you know in the ship mm-hmm. and uh, how big know, a ship is this i mean there were like tractors and tanks and stuff inside of it like it's a c- huge cargo ship got it. from world war ii that had been com- like from japan coming down to the philippines got it um and so swimming up to it, you're like, oh, there's the ship. It's huge. Okay, cool. And then, oh, we're going in there. And then suddenly this hole is like 10 times taller than you. Mm-hmm. And you're swimming just pitch black into it with a flashlight. And like, it's gotta, doing nothing. Yeah. You got to keep seeing the fins of like the diver in front of you so you don't get lost in this ship. And then we came to a bulkhead and there's a big crack in it. And we'd like take our dive gear off and like throw it through the hole and like chase after it uh-huh. and then get it and then put it back on. Uh-huh. And then once we were all accounted for, we kept going down this hallway and then it, but and then it ended up opening up into like this huge, like cavernous room that had all of these world war two, like trucks and tractors and like munitions and like it's everything that they had been, 
bringing to the Philippines was sure, there. Sure. Um, and that was amazing because it's on its side and it had cracks in the top. And so the sun was like beaming through and these like amazing little like light beams shimmering everywhere. At least and it, it wasn't was, a big black room again. That would have sucked. Yeah. No, it was gorgeous. Once you were in there, yeah, it, was, yeah, yeah. it was amazing. Um, Did you shoot video or anything? <clears throat> I shot GoPro stills. Yeah. And of stills? I, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I am disappointed in how I captured that dive, um, especially because I, I did not think about how the GoPro at the time, I think it was like the first one um, that they had ever made, um, to compensate for the lack of light, it just opened up the shutter. And so I've got tons of blurry photos uh, because I didn't like plant myself and like take a picture. I was just swimming along and like snap, clicking. snap, snap, snap. Right. And so there's all of these, it was so much motion blur in every one. Cause it, you know, the sh- I guess it slowed down. Oh, right. Um, like I didn't, I know there's not like a mechanical shutter in there, but yeah, the same. Right. Yeah. 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 It slowed down like the capture speed or whatever they call it. Right. So I've it got a ton of exposure time. Yeah. Yeah. Or something. Right? Yeah. yeah. So I've got a ton of, uh, very blurry photos from oh that. got it yeah. got it well so what's the scary oh that was just it like down at 120 oh, okay. feet like so nothing down there nothing no, happened no, down there. nothing oh. happened down there it was more just like just overall just it was scary being like yeah. inside this wreck yeah. following two little fins you know and not knowing where you are in it and then removing all of your gear and throwing it through a hole and chasing <laughs> after it and doing yeah. all of that and then we got out and it was amazing and fun um Right, but looking back on it, it was it was kind of scary. Yeah, yeah. Um, that reminds me, like these cave divers. Yeah, um, they do that. They throw their tank through holes and squeeze through shit all the time, and they die all the time too. <laughs> they just yeah. don't come back. Yeah, they, that's huge respect to those guys. I know a bunch of amazing like cave explorers and divers, and like I mean the photographers who go down there and place lights. And then shoot these guys do amazing pictures in these caves. Uh-huh. You know, you have to realize it's underwater, it's underwater, underground in a cave. Like it is pitch black. Yeah. yeah. And then you have these amazing photos of people diving and right. like these like columns of you know rocks and just an incredible sound that people want around go around and put lights on the ground and hide lights places and then use whatever tools and it's it's amazing, but just no part of me wants to do that. Sixty minutes did no oh, me either. Sixty minutes did um a story, I guess it's about Crocs with okay. Anderson Cooper. Like the shoe? No, 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 no like crocodiles. <laughs> okay. Um, I think, I hope I'm correct, but it was something like that. Um, either crocodiles or alligators. I, okay. I can't remember which. But I think they did some cave diving. Mm. Um, and he, like Anderson went, like he's a diver. So yeah. he talks about it. Well, he has they have a mic on him underwater yeah. and he's like i can't believe i'm this close to this 14 foot you know it's pretty <laughs> awesome and you think about it um you think about it uh um they had to yeah they they lit it and they did mm-hmm. you know because he just has like a he has a gopro on like a selfie stick mm-hmm. and a gopro i think mounted on his helmet or something and then yeah and then other people are shooting him too so. yeah but 60 Minutes has done some cool stuff, actually. Yeah. That one was frightening for me. I, like, I was like, ugh. Yeah. But the coolest one, um, did you see that movie Solo? So. About the, the climber? Oh, Free Solo. Sorry. Yeah. Free Solo, yeah. yes. Um, yeah, Solo is the <laughs> like, Star Wars movie. Huh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, well, 60 Minutes with that same guy. I forget that guy's name. Aaron, 
uh, is it Aaron? Uh, shit. Anyway, um, sausage fingers, we call them. Do you see his fingers? Yeah. They're like, <laughs> they're the strongest fingers ever. Um, but anyway, he, 60 Minutes did a piece on him. Mm. And I'll be on it. The free solo is amazing, but the piece, the 60 Minutes piece is better. Oh, really? <laughs> My opinion. Um, the way they shot it, mm-hmm. they mounted cameras all over because he climbed. Um, it's that wall. No one's ever free climbed it before. It's called. Um, ah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Watch the sixty minutes piece. I forget shit all the time. Um, but he 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 does it, and he's standing at one point on this this ledge that's like I don't know how many inches, two or three. Yeah. And he's just like, I think he's even on his heels on it, and he's whistling, and he's like, and he's like chalking his hands up. And I'm like, he's so calm. And he's like 180 feet off the ground. Yeah. And he's like on the tiniest. But but 60 Minutes had like a camera. There was one mounted like right near him. And yeah. They probably knew we'd stop there. Because I think they, because he rehearsed it a bunch with ropes. Mm. Kind of like he did okay, for yeah. Solo. They didn't really talk about that, but that's what he does. So I'm sure there were people there that knew where the guy shooting stop. it would know where he would stop. Yeah. Where he was most likely to take a break or chalk up or things like that. Yeah. But he's like the calmest. Alex Alex Honnold mm. just came to me. That's the guy's nice. name. Um <clears throat> but anyway, I, I I don't know why I went on to that, but it, <laughs> but seriously, it's like a twelve minute thing. Oh, it's okay. fucking great. Because okay. it's sixty minutes, so yeah, it's yeah, like it's a new story pieces. about him. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Okay, it's, cool. It's really good. Yeah. I mean the free solo is very good, but and it's, I guess it's easier to make something good when it's shorter. I don't know if that's true or not, but anyway. Fair it, enough. It's <laughs> it's very good. Yeah. So, um, El, El, Capitan, El Capitan. Was it El Cap? I think so. Okay. It's it's just a giant wall. It's like, yeah, you could never climb that. And then he does it. Like, and, and, and I think, um, John, um, um, the writer into the wild, um, he also wrote Everest. He's a climber himself. Okay. I have all of his books on a shelf over there, and I can't <laughs> think of his name. Um, dang it. Anyway, uh, great writer. Uh, yeah. But he does interviews for 60 Minutes. He talks about Oh, nice. He talks about it, and he's like, I don't know if it's him or the other climber guy who are like, they all die. Oh. All these free climbers die. They're yeah, all they great, were, but if one, they don't stop, they all die. Yeah. Wow. You know, one yeah. day either, you know, maybe he does it till he's 50 and then, you know, he's not as strong and he misses that one hold. Yeah. That he used to be able to get. That was always easy when he was 25. Yeah. You know, or whatever. I, I don't know. Yeah. But he seems like really at peace. Mm-hmm. So there's something weird about him where he doesn't, I'm, I'm sure there's like some fear and re- there's definitely respect for the mountain. Right. But like. There's something about him where he's, his heart rate doesn't seem to go up. He's like mm. calm and cool and which you have to be. Yeah. But, but you also like when in free solo, he does that thing where he jumps mm-hmm. and if he misses it, he's dead. Yeah. You have to jump and catch, catch your, your, all your body weight on one little rock. <laughs> like what the fuck? Yeah. But anyway, yeah. um, but he's still like chill about it, which is crazy. Yeah. Anyway, I don't. I got off on the. <laughs> I, I enjoy these these things. I don't want to go climbing. I I yeah. I don't really want to go scuba diving. Yeah. I like the free diving stuff. I guess I would try scuba. I just 
I'm so old now. I'm like, I mean, I'm not that old, but like, yeah. I'm at a point where I'm like, I don't want to go take classes. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I don't know. I've done yeah. it. I've done it in my friend's pool a couple of times, sure. just messing around. But um, I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Some people are more curious about certain things than others. Yeah. I guess maybe I'd rather read a book about it. Yeah. What, see what, some great pictures about it. Yeah. yeah. Or just, I mean, I just like to read nonfiction. Yeah. So like if you write, uh, John Krakauer is the guy's name. Okay. If you read his book Into Thin Air, mm. which he wrote that book, um, it was the most deadly year on Everest ever at the time. Mm. And he, he did the climb. He was, he almost died. Wow. A bunch of people in his group died or uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah bunch and then one guy like lost his whole face his nose got frostbited off somehow he was still alive nobody knows how he lived it was crazy like i think he lost his fingers and like crazy crazy but um but you read that book and you're like who would do this to themselves why yeah and what i find is there's some that are like real adventurers Mm -hmm. and like climbers kind of like john krakauer Cause he'd done a lot of climbing before he was very experienced. Um, and then there are some who are like, like, I don't know. They're trying to climb the seven peaks. They're like those kinds of people. Yeah. And they're doing it for that. But like the average Joe that pays his 50 grand to go doesn't really care. He He's like buying bragging rights. Yeah. And it's, and meanwhile, leaving his, feces on the mountain and garbage you know what yeah. i mean like, well, and putting so many of the sherpas at risk and yeah yeah said, i mean the, i think i forget probably john oliver did the thing about everest and how mm. like the sherpa on one trip may make the trek 40 times right and these guys and you are, do it once yeah and you guys right. these guys are sitting in tents with like hot food right. because the sherpas are bringing up like tents and tables and chairs and heaters and gas and all this stuff up there right well krakow wrote mm. that i think in the 90s yeah before all well, it was the beginning of it, and oh, okay. he writes about it in the book, mm. which is crazy because it's gotten so much worse. Yeah, but like there was a rich lady there who demanded a dinner table, and like they brought it, like yeah. you know, and the Sherpa dragged her up. Yeah, um, I think that Sherpa died, mm. but literally tied a rope to her and dragged her up and dragged her up. Yeah. You know, and she'd never climbed a thing in her life, probably didn't walk anyway. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And you pay enough money and some. So there are good guides who are being, who will tell people what's your experience, what kind of shape are you in? Right. And to that lady would have said, absolutely not. No. It doesn't matter how much money you offer. You'll yeah. be dead. Yeah. And it'll be my fault. Yeah. And there are other ones who are just like, yeah, give me a hundred grand, whatever. Yeah, sure. They know, like, she may die, the Sherpas may die, but... But they won't. That hundred grand is in the bank. They're not going to drag her up. Yeah. Right. They're yeah. going to let somebody else deal with it. Yeah. Right. It's terrible. Yeah. But, um... And I just don't... I don't know. I, I don't have to do everything. I'm sure it's amazing to, like, the feeling of standing on the top of the world. Sure. But you spend months trying to get there, and you spend max five minutes up there. Yeah. Cause you have to wake up at two in the morning to get there so that you can get, get to the peak by, but while it's still daylight and then get back down. Like, yeah, it's all so ridiculous. Yeah. 
<laughs> Plus, I like my face and like having all of my fingers. <clears throat> yeah, it, was, it feels pretty good right now. I I agree. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyway, it's just. I don't want to die up there either. No. I mean, it's so extreme. They can't even fly a chopper, chopper up there and get like a dead. They can't even get dead bodies up, down. Yeah. They're frozen into the mountain there. Yeah. It's awful. And, yeah. you, and you have to walk by them when you're going up. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like, what? I'm going to go read that book now. It's a great book. Yeah. It's fantastic. <clears throat> I, I don't know how much of a reader you are. John Krakauer... Yeah. Um, he is it's all nonfiction, mm-hmm. and he's just like you know he wrote into the wild like he's just such a great researcher mm-hmm. um you know he wrote a book about these mormon brothers it's called under the banner of heaven mm-hmm. who kill a bunch they kill the whole family <laughs> like um and they do it all out of religion you know and um but the research he does is ridiculous. Wow. Like the end of the wild stuff, like he went there. Yeah. You know what I mean? He he actually went to the van that, that the kid lived in and no, you I know. Don't. Yeah. Um like he does he does anyway. That's why I'm I'm always bummed because he writes like one book every five years or longer or something. Yeah. And I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> it's cause he's spending all this time researching. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's why the book's so good. Yeah. But I mean, for for the Everest for Into Thin Air, that was going to be an article for Outdoor Magazine. So Outdoor <laughs> paid the the fees for mm-hmm. him to go, and then it turned into a book, and it's his first book. Wow. He would he was like an outdoor writer, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, wow. So anyway, I'm uh, I'm tangenting <laughs> super hard, but I don't care. Um, do, would you like to take a break for a minute? I, I want to get more water. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. And uh, yeah, we'll be right back. <laughs> I was okay. We're back. I was just saying it's we've we've been in an hour and a half already. We didn't even realize it. <laughs> yeah. And I haven't even been drinking. Normally, I'm even longer winded when I've been drinking. I don't know if I told you. A lot of times we have drinks on here, but oh, yeah. I didn't sleep right. My neck's been killed. Yeah. I don't know. I just didn't feel like having one. Um. And I guess you didn't either. I do have no. Japanese whiskey here. I have some oh. Tatori. Nice. I might even have a little bit of Nika. Mm. Do you like Nika? Coffee? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's good. one of my favorites. Yeah. It's like a... Sorry, I didn't think about it until you mentioned about being in Thailand and, oh, yeah. and having uh, Japanese whiskey on the plane or whatever. <coughs> um, off mic, obviously. Yeah. Um, are, you, are you a whiskey enthusiast? Uh. Or... I yeah I I am an enjoyer of whiskey. Right. I can't really tell you anything about it. Okay. Um. I know I I like different things, but I couldn't really like an aficionado would not be a term for me. Okay. Like I enjoy drinking it. Right. And I can say, hey, I like that, or oh, I don't like that. But right. Beyond right, right, right. that. Okay. Nothing. I mean, I don't think there's much more to it than that. Like yeah. enjoying it. Like you don't have to be an expert. But like, if I ask you to describe Nika over. Tatori or over a Yamasaki or whatever, you could you could uh, you could tell the differences like oh this one's sweeter and this one's um yeah if I if uh, yeah if I like tasted it right or, then I you know could probably I mean? describe it yeah but you don't have to be an expert to no. be like oh I like this or I yeah. don't like this or this one tastes yeah. sweeter than that one yeah. or this one tastes stronger yeah well I mean I I I grew up in Napa Valley. Yeah, it's like we are in and around the you know the the wine world. My dad worked um, for wineries. Uh, We own a bunch of vineyards up there. Like I just grew grew up in that world. Oh, you own vineyards? 
Yeah, up in up in Napa. It's been in the family for a while. Oh, really? Oh, that's um, cool. But so, but growing up, like my dad and like his friends are all like deep in the wine industry and amazing at what they do. And they'll be t- and they'll actually, you know, can talk about the wine and yeah. about like, you know, I'm just gonna make up things We're like, oh, well, this is you know whatever year, and oh, there's too much sulfur this year, or you know, it's oh, we got too much sunlight, and there's you know crows flew over in October, and. <laughs> You know, there's really detailed things that actually, like, matter to him what's a good wine. Sure. And I would, you know, I would drink it and be like, hmm, yeah, this is definitely a red. Definitely <laughs> <Right>. a red. <laughs> yeah, it's, there's no mistaking it. It's nope. red wine. I knew it. I knew it. It was. I had a feeling and yeah. I was right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's about as deep as I, I mean, I, I can tell what I like and what I don't like. I can usually like, pick like a decent wine really just based off of labels that I know. Oh, right. Um, okay. And like, you know, which is you know, relatively, you know, I've known a bunch of different wineries, but really Napa centric um, because just growing up there. Uh, but if, yeah, but beyond that. Right. No. It was like Disney when everyone was worried about like ESPN numbers fa- failing and their stock was starting to drop. Right, right. I was like, well, why are we worried that much about ESPN? I know it's a decent amount of their revenue, but, you know, look at like they just bought Marvel, you know, and. Lucas well, this is before everybody knew what was going to happen. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, with, you know, with with my wife working there. But that um, was that was very prescient on on uh, who is it dick Iger, or uh, bob, bob Iger. Iger. yeah dick Iger. um on his um um on his part it's it, it he knew what was coming yeah you know what i mean so yeah. he so he branched out it was yeah. it was smart i mean yeah. i'll give him credit because he's a CIA, oh, no. ceo i have no idea oh, if no, he's, his idea or not yeah well, he's he's signed off on it of course he yeah. Did. Yeah, yeah sure yeah. oh and, and to be clear i did not buy any shares of disney based on what my wife knows <laughs> No, to, I know you wouldn't do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no. um, just, I mean, just at the time looking at what Disney was doing and that they had purchased Marvel. And I think, mm-hmm. I don't know if they, I think that they had purchased Lucas for like $4 billion at the time. I was like, they're <coughs> going, that's going to replace any ESPN revenue lost. Well, so. yeah. I mean, it was also risky. Yeah. You know, I mean, the last three Star Wars films previous to all these they've made now are trash. Yeah. So... You know, just because they own it doesn't mean they're going to be good. No. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the Marvel thing, no one had an inkling of what it could be. Oh, yeah. Um, obviously, some of them did. Um, yeah. Some of them did. But, um, but yeah. Um, and I worked... Was it... I don't know how many movies they'd done. It was after the first Avengers had been a giant hit. We did the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. pilot. Oh, right. And... Um, what, were there other movies? Were there, were there like Thor's or anything yet? Uh, yes. There, there probably well, were, right? There were. Cause they or did. coming out or just out or well, something. No, because Avengers 1 is the end of phase one. So they had, they had oh, done... Oh, it's the end. So they'd done a bunch of <clears throat> stuff. Done I forgot. They'd done Thor. They'd done Iron, Iron Man, Iron Man 2, That's Thor, right. Yes. I, and I think probably Captain America at that point. Okay. Yeah. All right. That that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> right. Um. Yeah, anyway, that so what year did that start? Like 20, 2010 or something? That's a good question. Mm, okay. Yeah. When did your wife start working there? Oh man, I should know this. <clears throat> you should. Um yeah, she was there for 9 years, so 2010. <coughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And she was there for all of that? She was she started at Iron Man 2. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, funny, she was actually Wow, so it's been longer than so it's been like 12 or 13 years probably or maybe 15. No. 
Oh, oh, oh yeah, for the Marvel itself. <coughs> I guess, yeah, it would have to be longer. Um, but well, they w- started slow, though, because Iron Man came out, and then it wasn't another well, movie for like a Iron year Iron Man and two. the Hulk were together. Oh, the Hulk. Yeah. The, the, uh, the Ang Lee one. No, this was the... Um, there was one right after that. Because when Marvel... When Marvel started doing their own thing, they may came out with a Hulk with Iron Man. It's like Ed Norton's in it. Ed Norton plays the Hulk? Yeah, let's look it up. I might be crazy. I'm looking it up right now. All right. Um, wow, a movie came up called She-Hulk. Um, is it is it Hulk? Oh, that's Eric Bana. Yeah, after that. The Incredible Hulk, 2008. That's the one. Um, Liv is Tyler. It? Yeah. Louis Leterrier is the director. Huh. What did he... Tim Roth is in it. Looks very young. Oh, he's French. Huh. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, uh, <laughs> but that was a that was a big <clears throat> flop, no? Or was it? Uh, did I'm it not, do well? I, I I don't think it did well compared to Iron Man. Right. And okay. Iron Man was the one that really like blew up and was like, oh my god, this we could do this, and then they can continue on. Yeah, but Hulk. Oh, Hulk was Marvel, but it was Universal, right? Uh, I think that. Look at the years on it, because I think that the... I'm looking it up right now. Yeah. It's universal. Okay. There you go. Uh, yeah. Um, um, but that's... So that was... So that one's licensed out to Universal. I, it, I, is Iron Man Disney? It is. No. Right? No, no. Oh, it's not? No, because they were with... They had, a, I think, a distribution deal with Universal until a certain point when they were purchased... Okay, and then it went over to Disney, and I, I could be wrong, but I think that like Avengers is the first one, maybe. Okay, but we'd have to look that up. I'm not. Yeah, yeah, and <clears> I'm <throat> not going to look the whole, yeah. the whole no, everything no, no. up here. But um, um, that's interesting, though. Um, so Disney bought them during that time. Disney bought them. A, I think a couple movies in. That's because they still had like a certain. I remember that they were. Uh, I think sort of bought by them, but then someone else was still releasing the movies and then it switched over to complete because they were down in Manhattan beach and were purchased. They were there for a little bit and they moved to Disney. Uh, then they moved to Warner brothers. Marvel was at like Manhattan beach studios. Yeah. Oh, okay. Huh. Yeah. I didn't uh, know that. Well, there's still, does Disney basically, <laughs> cause they did the Mandalorian down there. Oh, do they? And they did, um, uh, the the James Cameron Avatar Avatar 2, 3, yeah. 4, 5, and 7 there <laughs> um, I think still doing them uh, by the way I had to look it up okay it, it it made worldwide 263 million okay so that's pretty darn good it's kind of half and half 134 domestic right. so that's yeah that's actually pretty 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 good oh IMDB owns box office mojo now yeah that's funny. Huh. I didn't know that. You know who owns IMDb? I forget. Amazon. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Like yeah, I saw one of those wheels of like what Amazon owns, and I was like, oh Amazon. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, I would like to see that. Yeah. I, I haven't seen one of those. It was showing what the, who they're competing with in every space. It's like Amazon, and then it shows all the different companies that they have, and then who they're now competing against in those different areas. Right. Yeah. Um, but funny, my my wife who you know was at Marvel. She was actually a local 600 loader. Was she really? <clears throat> yeah. Is that how you guys met? We met in school, and then we moved to L.A. She actually joined 600 before me. Oh. 
Where did um, you go to school? Oh, up in San Francisco, the Academy of Arts up there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was great. It was a small school. It was like 250 kids. Like, we shot film for four years straight. Huh. Um, <clears throat> but we went there. We moved down to L.A. And, um, yeah, she, she, was a, she was a loader. <laughs> and uh, back, you know, all, all on film. And then, you know, she decided to uh, go do something else with her life. And she already had like a degree in literature, and uh, you know wanted to get into like the other side of things. So right, did some internships. What was her What was her title finally at Marvel? Um, I always called her the Ambassador of Awesome, but I don't think that's what was on her card. <laughs> um, it was like a, a director of. Uh, man, man, I really should know this. Well, what um, what, what was she doing? <laughs> no, doing? Well, okay, so I mean, she she was um like, okay, director of creative content and franchise marketing. Um, okay, and so it was the creative it was creative creative and branded content. Um, so pretty much she produced everything that was not the movie itself. Okay. Um. So all of uh like promo partner pieces, all like the the extras that are on DVDs. She did documentaries, she did, you know, they would do like these uh like sizzle reel promo pieces to show to Walmart to get like you know something about to- like movies like money for toys. Right. Um they have I mean there's so many promo partners, you know, that would work with them. She right. did all of that. Um like behind the scenes pieces, she did directors round tables, she did short films. Got it. She I mean there's such a huge slate. I mean, they were doing things, um, the whole series of like little pieces that were all done in like eight bit, you know, that, uh, were just, you know, they just took like different story points and like redid them, but in like eight right. bit animation, huh. um, on a Avengers Endgame, her last piece, actually that the, the final piece that she did before she left Marvel is, um, called casting the MCU. And it's a whole like documentary, like twenty minutes long, about Sarah Finn, who's the casting director, um, who basically casts all of the superheroes. Right. You know, she's the one who saw like Chris Pratt in uh, like wherever she saw him, like Parks and Rec, and I think the, said that he it, he did like audition for like Captain America or something like that. But like she like saw him and tracked him and was like, oh well, he might not be great for Captain America, but he would be an amazing Star Lord. Right, you know, and uh, <clears throat> I'm just paraphrasing. I don't know what she actually thought, but he ended up as you know right. Star Lord, and so. But she was, you know, she's just the one who's picking all these people, you know, who are the become these like gigantic superstars right. and uh, superheroes, um, and so. But my you know my wife was trying to come up with uh, ideas for what to put as the extras that would be really interesting, you know, and she thought of Sarah Finn. Mm. It was like she is incredible like no one talks about you know her what she does you know all these other pieces are like what do the celebrities eat for breakfast or like you know a day with you know this guy and she's like no like this this person is amazing and at what she does and she's been solid like 20 plus movies in a row right you know and plus she i mean obviously she had a great career before marvel right you know started working with her and so she like conceptualized it and got the whole thing going and pitched it and everyone liked it and got it, you know, but when, before she left, she was still sending like notes on editorial to make it right. And then now it's out there. Oh, cool. <clears throat> yeah. And there's, I mean, there's plenty of short film. I like, there's so much bonus content that's just hilarious and awesome and fun. And hmm. I mean, even down to working with other people in her team to design the, uh, you know, like the, the collection series boxes 
that right. are sent out like oh it's the tesseract that opens up and all the movies are inside like right. even down to those things like she still was involved with and had a hand in and right you know was working with you know like ar and vr things before she left and just huh. it was so much cool things that she got to do and it's such a small team there right that she got to you know she didn't have to focus on just one aspect she could Right. Anything that she thought of, like she could pitch, is like, what? What if we did this? And it'd be perfect for this. And right, yeah, that's a big job. Yeah, yeah. it's huge. Well, and, I can't believe you know. it's crazy she left. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it was just time, and everything worked out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, good for her. Yeah. <laughs> well, now she has more time with your your son, which yeah. is great. And she's already found something to be busy with, so she's with, she's all good now. Yeah, with you traveling around all the time. Oh yeah. Yeah. Not easy, I'm sure. No, no. Oh. Um. Oh, but no. So we were talking about earlier, like I, I moved up to operator with Mihai. Yeah. Um, and then I was doing, I was doing all that and still shooting as much underwater as I can. You got to like promote yourself and talk to people and show people your work. And, you know, it's such a small little niche that there were like five, you know, people at the top, like doing all the big movies. And, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> it was hard to get any of those jobs as like, they kind of trickle down. Mm-hmm. Um, but my longtime mentor, Mike Thomas, ended up retiring, and he called me one day and just hey, come buy me coffee in Long Beach. Drove down there, and I met him, and he just gave me all of his like underwater light meter housings and all this stuff. Really? An amazing float rig that he had built for Castaway, and you know, kind of told me that he was retiring. <clears throat> um, and then you know, because of Mike and his, he, he used to cover a lot of jobs that like Pete Romano couldn't do, and so then Mike introduced me to pete and i went in and Hmm. i had met pete like randomly like at the shop and other things but never like really gotten like oh he and i sat down and talked for like an hour i showed him some work and we chatted and Mm. um mike had recommended me so he's like okay well if mike recommends you you know we'll give it a shot so there was a job that pete couldn't do is he like the biggest one yeah i mean he owns hydroflex like he you know he's the one behind like that whole company building you know designing winning academy awards mm-hmm. for i didn't know, you know housing yeah i mean right. he is like i mean you can't really compete against that he is he would be like the number one guy like if not the whole world for like not just of what he's accomplished but like pushing the whole like art and craft of underwater mm-hmm. cinematography forward mm-hmm. of designing the you know designing all the housings like building lights um you know keeping up with you know moving from like tungsten like getting hmis under there like now they're doing a bunch of great things with leds um like getting sky panels into housings and then still giving you dmx control mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean he's behind all of that pushing all of that forward and and still like working all the time cool you know doing great things but i met in with him he had a job he couldn't do and he recommended me to go cover and <clears throat> that was pretty little liars i think like season like four and that that was my first uh, like network tv show mm. you know to go in and work on i definitely like at a much higher level and it was just a lot of i mean the same way like when i went in and pulled focus on that you know when i it was like okay i think i can do this right and like uh, i mean i had been working and shooting underwater a bunch but not at like that level right so i went in and did that and then i guess pete got a good report back and i ended up going out and working on scandal and pretty little liars all in like a two-month stretch mm. um and again it was all kind of like covering because you know they had called for pete he wasn't available they passed on my name i went out and did it and then from there you know 
I think Pete would still recommend me. And then, you know, at certain times, I know he recommends different people for different things or whatever his, you know, reasoning is. Um, but then that started to build up and, you know, years later now I have like, you know, work comes in, which is great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, you just build up like the contacts and people enough that, you know, there's enough work to kind of solely concentrate on doing the underwater work and I'll, right. I will operate or you know shoot something and you know g- go work for other people and do some dry water work is you know which is great and I love doing that but what's dry water work sorry dry land work oh. above water work yeah <laughs> it's a new thing I invented <laughs> dry water work <clears throat> like <laughs> yeah I don't have to wear a suit at all <laughs> you can actually wear a suit yeah exactly it's <laughs> funny um, <laughs> um well, tell me what um what you mentioned we were talking a little off yeah. the air and you talked about Thailand. Oh yeah. You you said <laughs> you did two ten days on a movie in Thailand? Yeah, we did a good amount of time out in it's Thailand. A Netflix movie? Yeah, a Netflix movie. Um and uh well you know, you know they we did a lot of um we shot there instead of Hawaii. Um and then no, they did some work in Hawaii and then I think we had to fake some of it in these on these sets, so we did it in Thailand. Mm. Um and uh, it have, hasn't come out yet. And there's a stack of NDAs, so I know I can't say too many details. But we did, you know, we did. We built a couple sets. Um, they're beautiful, um, huge, like with waterfalls and caves and all kinds of things um, on these stages in, in just outside of Bangkok. Mm. Um, and they had a great tie. You know, there was like a core American crew that had been traveling around, and then we picked up a super, you know, an awesome local. Oh, so it's an American crew. movie. Oh yeah, American Netflix movie. Oh, Nef- oh yeah, yeah. American Netflix. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I mean, there's Netflix. Although in Asia, they make stuff so. for other yeah countries. So yeah, yeah, but no, it was uh, it was Netflix US, and it'll yeah. get a, it'll get a release here. Oh okay. Um, at some point cool. in the future, um, but no, but it was it was great um, to go over there, and then you know, great hardworking Thai crew, and you're gonna always have your miscommunications <laughs> um, because honestly, their th- their English is way better than my Thai. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So, so, but sometimes still, there's. Yeah, did you? You, know. you don't have a translator. No, I mean they spoke enough English that you could probably get it. Yeah, get that's away the thing. Like Thailand and the Philippines, they yeah. all speak English. Yeah, they they um, just all do. Yeah, to some degree or another. <clears throat> to some degree, and things just like the really intricate details of like filtration, or you know, one set was not epoxied when it should have been. Well, we didn't find out about it until like much later on right. when the set was crumbling and the water clarity was terrible. And we oh. brought in all these extra filtration systems. And, you know, it's like, how fast can you turn over water without destroying your set even more? You right. Know, you know, then working with like the, the guys there who build the filters and build the whole system to work with, communicate with them about, you know, how, what you know, they're obviously experts in filtration more than I am, mm-hmm. and about how many like how how much water they can move. But then working with them on because if it moves too much, it'll wreck the set. Yeah, because they didn't uh, seal it, and it was like concrete based. Um, so it like was crumbling off, right? away. So yeah. if the water moves too fast, it'll, it'll just, crumble more. Yeah, it'll crumble like in a road. But if we don't move it fast enough. It'll erode well, it'll, before we clean. It'll well, be cloudy. It'll be cloudy, uh, or we can let it sit there and filter slowly for like a week and a half, you know, which no one has time for, right. because we were supposed to shoot that day, you know. And then so, so what'd you do? Uh, we go back on another day. I would come in in the morning and look at the water clarity and um, talk to the director and our producers. And then the first day, I went back to the hotel and came back. I think it like four o'clock in the afternoon. 
you know, we gave it six hours, looked at it. We weren't happy. Let it filter overnight, came back in the morning. It had hit about 15 feet and we had talked about, um, expenses of extending the schedule when everyone had to go to New York to finish. Right. Um, and then the real, like how much more are we going to gain? You know, so if it's gone from like one foot, you know, now to 15 feet, you know, if it goes out to 30 feet, is that, you know, worth it? What If what goes to oh, what? Oh, sorry, I've... the visibility. Sorry. Oh, it's So it. if it starts off at like yeah, I understand one now. foot visibility. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, and so we decided to, that you know, I got the camera in there and it was already lit and we were looking at it and we decided that, well, the, you know, we wanted crystal clear, but you that obviously you wasn't going to happen. Right. Um, in any realistic amount of time. Right. And so, you know, it did, um, you know, and it, it looks, it's like dark and kind of scary, you know, so we shot it and they're going to, you know, use it. And if we have to go somewhere else and reshoot it, you know, they'll make that call later. Yeah. But they have all the pieces for the story, you know, to put it all together and then right. they can, it'll work in the movie yeah. whether or not they want to use it or not is up to them. Yeah. Or if it's, you know, they, they need it, but we need to go to like a cenote in Mexico and reshoot it or, build it in LA and reshoot it or whatever yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, they yeah. want to do. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, cool. But that was a good time, huh? <laughs> no, that was an amazing time. My water tech, Lauren came out there, you know, and he was great with, you know, we brought two housings, you know, one as a backup and he worked with the tie divers and stunts and, you know, to get everything ready and safe and, you know, but it was great when he and I travel all over together. So good. It's always a fun time. I thought you might be rescuing those kids out of the, Cave. People thought that that's what we were, we were doing a movie about that, and like I would love to do that movie if I didn't have to go deep into those caves. Oof, yeah, <laughs> like let's build it on a set, keep it controlled and safe. Yeah, you know, maintain the amount of water clarity we want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Good we idea. can make it super murky, but I want to have the control to make it murky when we want and get rid and of control murky. that level, and then yeah, 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 for sure. I never even thought of that. So you have guys there that do that. Yeah, I mean, there are guys who are in charge of, like, the filtration and, you know, we'll work with that. I mean, really, it's about getting it clean and clear. And then if we want to walk it back, we can add, you know, additives to the water to kind of murk it up right? You know, to order. But I never want to start with, like, a murky, gross of pool. Of course, yeah. yeah. Of course. Um, so we just try to get it to a point where, you know, it is it is very clear so yeah. that we can shoot it and then, you know, walk it back if we need. Right on. Yeah. I mean, usually like the guy who owns everything like isn't there is just in that circumstance. Yeah. It's just text. We were like, no, no, no. Like, come. Oh, <laughs> but yeah. we need you here. Like these are bigger issues than right. you know, the guys you bring out who know how to turn it on and move the hoses around. You know, we we're t- talking to them about. And they're, they're like, like, oh. I'm like, okay, bring your, you know, bring the boss in. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. Oh, well, that's cool. Well, I learned yeah. a bunch about <laughs> underwater stuff that I didn't know before. <laughs> I've been around it a little, but I, you yeah. know, like I said, I just yeah. I mean, uh, there's there's so much more to it than you might think at the at the start, right? Um, and you know, one of the things is a lot of it's a little more complicated than just putting your gear on and jumping in with a camera. Y- yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, you know, I think you can as you're watching underwater scenes, you can look for like the nuances. Like if you're watching a frame and it's just kind of shift the horizon shifting left to right, like you can feel their fins. You know, as they're swimming backwards. If you're not, but what you really have to get is your your hands and arms to be disconnected from the movement of the rest of your body, so that you can swim around and move and move your legs like left to the right side. Come to similar a similar to Steadicam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And that way you're not feeling like your footsteps or like my fin kicks or, you know, I can swim up into a close up and hold it while my legs move to another direction so that I can then like track left around them. Right. You know, and, but you don't want to come up into that close up and have it like jostling around. Legs. Yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah. 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 Huh. You know, so, I mean, and those are the things where like you start and you're trying to get them in frame, you know, and tell the you know and get the shot done and then you can move on from there i mean it's like operating it's like okay hey the man's in the box or the lady's in the box and then from there you're like okay well why am i placing them there where are they how are they weighted how are they going to use this in the story right. you know can they feel my footsteps as i'm walking around right and you kind of build into all the nuances that make it right much better oh yeah well that's yeah really interesting and cool <laughs> It really is. It really is. I uh but I just realized it's been it's been two hours now. There we go. But um I'll so I'll let you go. Right. Sure you have other things you'd like to do today besides yeah. just this. <laughs> we'll drink that whiskey and turn the mics off. Okay. Good idea. Thank thanks for coming on, man. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Yeah. Thanks again to Ian for coming in and doing the show. Uh, hopefully it won't be another six years before I see him again. Uh, thank you to Walter Clausen for their continued support. And thank you to my Patreon members for supporting the show. It's much appreciated. I'm glad you enjoy it. And thanks everybody else for listening. I'll catch you next time.